Welcome to the Super Nintendo Exploration Squad podcast, episode 41, a video games book club and select button guide-in podcast. We're at 41, y'all. This is the first time we've recorded since the live episode. Anyway, uh, every month we play a game either... No, it's not true. I have one that I need to post. Anyway, <laughs> this might actually be episode 42. Uh, every month we play a game that either our listeners have voted on or has been handpicked by one of our intrepid explorers. Uh, this time we're playing The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past. I bet you can guess that somebody picked that. Uh, Tigers picked that, uh, and we'll get into that in a bit. But that's this is a game, if you're not uh, familiar with it, it's a game about collecting bottles and imprisoning fairies in them. That's the primary thing you're doing. Uh, we'll be discussing it using the four standardized metrics for scoring a video game, which are, of course, vanity, gun, investigation, and revelation. Uh, I'm your esteemed host and the bee in your bottle, Vasilkania, and today I am joined by... Closed! I'm Daphne, and my high score in this game is one. <laughs> I'm a bachelor. I'm Tigris, and I just wanted to be normie for once. Hi, it's me, Ramona. <laughs> With that. We all sound so sad and depressed. I know. But I can assure you that we're not. This is just how I normally sound, and everyone else is dropped down to sound just like me. I was going to say, this was such an energetic intro. <laughs> I dropped down because I had to play this terrible game called Link to the Past. Oh, yes. come on. <laughs> <Yes>! <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so that's the cast this week. Uh, this week. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. Yeah, we're <laughs> weekly, right? Yeah, this is weekly, yeah. Then next week we're, we're playing the game called I Am Never Editing a Podcast. <laughs> Legend of Zelda Link to the Past is the third game in the Zelda series. It was released in late 1991 in Japan and mid-1992 in North America. Sorry, Europe, you got it like September 1992. Uh, it was developed by Nintendo's EAD division. They've done just a bunch of shit, including Zelda, Animal Crossing, some other things I can't bring to the top of my head, maybe F-Zero. Um, Obviously published by Nintendo. Uh, this game returns to the top-down Zelda formula from Zelda 1, because uh, Zelda 2 is obviously that weird side-scrolling platformer slash RPG. Uh, but, you know, it's it's on the Super Nintendo now. Uh, it was also re-released on the Game Boy Advance about 10 years later, but they added screaming and fucked-up colors. So, um, in this game, Link travels between two worlds. A light world, where everything is cool and normal and birds want to kill you, and the dark world, is a frightful place corrupted by Ganon where everything is weird and the birds want to kill you but now they're dinosaurs um, I asked everybody to play about an hour so how long did you play and how far did you get in this game and feel free to give me any personal history with the game as well at this point because I think most of us have some sort of history with it okay uh, I played uh, up until when I got to the dark world and part way through that first uh, dungeon I forget what it's called uh, I have played through the game before, though, so... 
Uh, I was gonna play the game again. I got to the Desert Palace and I kicked my Super Nintendo and it wiped my save. But I'm pretty sure I've played the game probably more than everybody on a here put together. <laughs> I play this game a lot. Yeah, your familiarity with it off the top of your head while we were all playing this game like blew me away. I thought I knew this I... game okay, and you were like, "Yes, this screen has this bottle and like this perfect." <laughs> I'm only here to fact check. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this time I played it, I got, I got the first, is it a medallion? Is it a crystal? What, what's the first thing you get? Pendant? What do they call them? Pendant. They're right? pendants. Where? They're pendants in the light world. They're... Are they medallions in the dark world? They're crystals in the dark world! Okay, okay. <laughs> I bet there's a Zelda game where you get medallions. I played this game a bunch. That's the uh, Ocarina of Time. I played it when it came out. I played it on Game Boy Advance. I played it on the Wii Virtual Console. I played it in SNES 9X. I played it on my Switch this time. I know this game pretty well. So, yeah. Uh, I picked this game, uh, and I played... I don't know the exact number of hours I played it, but I've been playing this game off and on since I first got my Super Nintendo in 1999. And And this was the actual first time I beat it all the way entirely, even though I've been playing it a lot. Like, every few years, I'd, I'd always boot it up and, and get a little farther. And this is the first time I got all the way through. Oh, hey, it's Shrug. Hi, Shrug. Introduce yourself. Oh, you thought... Okay. <laughs> Hi, it's me, Shrug. I just spent 10 to 15 minutes, probably longer, hunting for one of my cats, because she did not show up at the sounds of mealtime. And eventually found her tucked away in a strange corner where she seemed to have rearranged cushions and furniture. <laughs> um, I don't know how long she's been at this and I've never found her over there before. So I, uh, in conclusion, I live with a uh, gremlin. <laughs> <laughs> and who is probably smarter than me. And I know where my cat is now. And it's me, Shrug. Zelda. <laughs> Welcome, Shrug. I'm super glad you found your cat. Um, we're going through the how long did you play? How far did you get? Out. We'll we'll go. I'll just have you go last. So, <clears throat> um. So yeah, I played all the way through this game. I'd reckon it took like six hours to eight hours, somewhere in there. I played it quite a bit. Um, this was actually also the first time I'd finished the game. I feel like I've played every constituent cat or cat. God, I'm reading. I've played every constituent part of this game, uh, but I've never actually beaten it from beginning to end. My dad got this game uh, when it came out and he played it to death and I would pick up the controller sometimes and play through things. There were certain things he'd be like, you do this dungeon. So, um, but this was the first time I saw it all the way through to the end myself. So, yeah. Hi, I made it to the, I made it past the first dungeon in the Dark World, uh, which was about three and a half hours in. Um, I didn't play this game as a kid because I didn't have a Super Nintendo. That's actually the furthest I've gotten in the game ever. Because, um, like, even emulating, I didn't get very far in it, which I'll probably talk about later. But my experience with this game is uh, not playing it, but my friends having it. And then I'd go over to my friend's house and watch them play. And then they would ask me if I wanted to play. And then I would 
walk in a straight line for like 10 seconds. And then my friend who was like maybe, I don't know, seven or eight years old, we, we were children at the time. Uh, he turned to me and be like, no, you're playing it wrong. And he take the controller back. And then uh, I didn't get to play anymore. <laughs> sounds yeah sounds like oh yeah i didn't get to play this game at first either so like my brother stole it when it first came out and we had it on super nintendo but then i got pink eye so i had to watch him play it the entire time and he wouldn't let me get to touch the controller so i wouldn't get him sick so i had to he played and he made sure i watched it too he's like isn't this cool isn't this great look how cool this is isn't this a fun thing to experience and i'm so mad it's a fucking like <laughs> nine-year-old uh that's hilarious <laughs> I watched Tigress play most of this game and beat it. That must count for something. And I played, I think, to the third dungeon. I don't know how long it took me. Probably a long time. I have attention problems. I've been diagnosed by a mental health professional. Uh, I believe this was the second Zelda game I ever played. I did not own a Nintendo console until the GameCube, but I emulated it on my Performa in the late 90s and made it to, I believe, the start of the Dark World and then went, you mean I have to keep playing? I have to play the whole game again? And um, I just never loaded up my save again. It was over. R.I.P. <laughs> that's how it goes <laughs> i i played this game trying to remember how it felt to witness it the first time and like the the reveal of the dark world and i, I don't i don't remember i just i know it too well now so um all right uh so let's get into our very first topic we got a full house here so we're gonna try and keep it moving along uh, this was probably going to be a long ass podcast. So buckle in for our first topic, which is, as always, vanity. And uh, vanity is where we talk about the graphics, we talk about the music, we talk about how it made us feel to look and at listen to and just generally experience the game you know vanity things that are all great um tigress you know what i didn't ask you how come you picked this game what was going on in your mind when you thought zelda link to the past oh well i gave it a lot of thought and i had thought about a few more obscure games which i had uh thought about and i still hope someday we will get to super adventure island 2 it was good don't sleep on it um, but at the end of the day, even though I played like a really good game for the podcast, for like the podcast I run, Book of Mega Drive, last it, I just wanted to pick something that genuinely meant something to me, right? Like I wanted to pick a game that was really important to me when I was growing up, and I wanted to pick something I genuinely liked. And I also wanted to pick something that I thought, as weird as this is to say, I don't think has had been, like, examined that closely. As, like, not as closely as I would like it to be examined in, in many respects. It's sort of the awkward one where, depending on who you ask, it's, it's sort of the start of Zelda as we know it, more than 
other Zelda games are are credited with being, right? Um, but I also think that a lot of times it just sort of gets brushed over, and there's a lot of conventional wisdom about the game and how it plays that I don't actually think the game is really that at all. And I thought it was a really, it could be really interesting to explore that. And also I just really wanted to play something I had some nostalgia for and re-examine my nostalgia about it and, you know, have something good. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't often have a, a high quality <laughs> bar for these games. So I'm, I was super glad you picked it too. It was nice to play something that was, again, like nostalgic and compelling and well-designed and thoughtful and... I mean, ubiquitous in a way. Like it's it's such a uh, a notable game that it was nice to just have that. Um, and I'm super excited to like kind of dive into it in in ways that, I, like you said, I don't think this game gets this sort of yeah. uh, analysis that maybe it deserves. So it's interesting. But yeah, yeah. Like my other like my actual favorite Super Nintendo game is Super Metroid, and I feel like that's gotten covered way more than this game. Like, there's a thousand, thousand dissections of what, what's good about Super Metroid. And oddly enough, there's not nearly so much, because the story is usually just like, oh, it's either the this is where Zelda lost its way, or where, according to some people, or this is where Zelda found its way, according to other people. And I think it's it's sort of a complicated case. Yeah, I think it's it's a lot more... It is both of those things. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a, it's a very interesting game, but we'll we'll get into it. So let's talk about vanity graphics, music, blah blah blah. Uh, <laughs> so um, this game is very interesting. It it remains colorful throughout. It remains uh, like I I think the music's pretty good. The pink I've... hair link is best hair link. Thank you, pink hair link rules. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's really most of what I had to say. <laughs> well, I don't know why Link doesn't have pink hair later. Does Link have pink hair in the manual for this game? I, I failed to look at it. I do not believe so, no. Going in game. Stupid. Doesn't, doesn't Link have pink hair because of a like palette limitation? Yeah, it was explained as a palette limitation later, but it's pink because it looks fucking great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kind of Sometimes weird that it would... It's aesthetically good. Like, oh, with the fucking red armor, that purple hat, that pink hair, it's so good! Mwah! I'm fascinated that it would be a palette limitation because I think each sprite gets its own palette in Super Nintendo. I could be wrong about that. Appar- according to this thing I just read, it's because Link shares the same palette with uh, his bunny form, so there just wasn't enough colors for both, I guess. Oh, that's going to be my guess. Nice, so there you go. That's that's what I read on a random forum. Pink, like the bunny. I like that they were like so... I like oh, that they yeah. so ride or die for pink bunny. Like the pink, like the hair's hair being pink, uh, being palette swapped with the bunny, I didn't even know because uh, that just makes it canonically like, oh yes, it's a reflection of yourself. See, I like that. Yeah, I think that's good. <laughs> I mean, and again, like, I don't, I, this is totally some random guy in 2000, some random person, I should say, I don't know, in 2006 saying something on a forum, the ZeldaUniverse.net forums, and now people are arguing about it. So um, it, it's just much more readable, you know, because you the trim of his hat is what, orange brown? And then what you're gonna put blonde I mean, under that? The pink is is much yeah. more. It stands and out. Like, yeah, it just looks better. And like he's walking on a green on like green fields for ninety percent of the game, and red is going to contrast with that more. So pink hair link rules. I think we can all agree on that. Um, but like, what did 
what do people think of the aesthetic of this game? Because I have a hard time quantifying it in any meaningful way. <laughs> Readable? Like, I, I, I like how the map isn't one-to-one, but it, it the iconography of every, like, little square, like, state, not stage, but, like, you know how the game moves around in the grid? It's just, it's, everything is really easy to, to understand and see. I think the, I like the aesthetic of the light world. I think the dark world is kind of like a weird hodgepodge mess, which is maybe like the idea, but it's still just kind of like whatever. One less brown in the light world, just one, or in the dark world. It's too brown. Yeah, the dark world's too brown. I wish it was more purple. It is pretty purple. It's a very strange, there's some very strange aesthetic choices in in the dark world that I appreciate for being like less like intimidating and evil and more just like what the fuck is going on (laughs) yeah it's very it's very yeah it's a very strange place the dark world and i and i like how topsy-turvy it is and i really like the uh strange dens and denizens you meet in the dark world like some people are little spiders or there's this one elephant with a cold who sells you explosives yeah and like that's one thing okay so to kind of get at the central thing that I think they're trying to do with the dark world versus the light world is obviously it's a juxtaposition, right? So the light world and the dark world are reflections of each other. When you go to the dark world, you encounter people who are supposed to be the innermost reflection of who they are. So for instance, a thief is a hand because they steal and it's this little hand hopping around and a bully is a pumpkin, pumpkin headed horned weirdo. I believe it's an Oni. Oh, and the yeah, person yeah, that yeah. changes their mind is a is a ball. Mm-hmm. Because you're round and you can't make up your mind, I guess. Because he's bouncing everything around all the time. There you go, see? And some of them it's are the clever button. like that. And some of them are weird, like, why, do, why is the shopkeeper a weird demon elephant with a cold? Like, I don't know. It doesn't mean anything to me. Because <laughs> he's a sniveling, uh, like, suck-up. Okay, okay. Yeah, see, I'm glad I asked. <laughs> But yeah, I I have I almost wish they had done more with those reflections, but I think they do a pretty good job for for what they're trying to do. Um, but yeah, the Dark World's too brown. I wish they leaned more into the odd color choices that they do in like Kakariko Village, where it's like these weird purples and lilacs contrasted with like kind of greeny yellows. Like it's sort of gross but appealing. I appreciate that. I love the brown because <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be a blasted waste wasteland state in contrast to all the green and growing shit i know it's a boring decision but it works thematically it's just because oh, you have to yeah. look at it a lot so it'd be nice if there's just like some ruins that were purple or like orange it or something you, it puts you in the mindscape of uh link you're just wandering around your uh, fabulous pink hair looking brighter and brighter every time you find a new item or item of clothing. And meanwhile, the world is this blasted and dreadful wasteland around you. Um, it's a means of... Uh, mm, 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 I'm trying to come up with an extremely convoluted and uh, academic <laughs> sounding way of saying this is a joke, but I'm ill and <laughs> can't get there. 
So I'm just going to stop talking and I apologize. <laughs> I like that I can gently hear the boss music in the background of your microphone, Shock. I, uh, but yes, but like going back to the light world for a second, uh, I, I always, I don't know how much of this is, I was eight when I first played it, but I found the uh, aesthetic design of a lot of it very compelling and mysterious, oddly enough. Like, the, um, the the statues and shit you encounter always made me wonder, like, what are those statues supposed to be? Why are those statues there? Uh, who built the palaces? Who built the temples? And of course, I was I was eight or nine at the time. So the answer is... Because they fucking looked cool, <laughs> and and broke up the 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 environments, because there is no explanation for how the castle for how um dungeons turn up in Zelda. That's just how Zelda is. Yeah, dungeons just exist. That's there. You've got trees, you've got animals, you've got dungeons. <laughs> but I don't think that that's that's true of like later Zelda games. They try to contextualize oh, yeah. them more, for sure. And for I sure. think that's kind of like. I mean, I'm gonna. I'll go on the record and be. I'm kind of the, not the link to the past disliker, but there's a lot of, um, a lot of things that I want to talk about that I like don't necessarily like about it, and I feel like one of those is that sort of the link to the past kind of exists in this weird kind of. I mean, it's not like I don't think it's like an early gen Super Nintendo game, but it does have this weird kind it of. It is. Um, it's the phrase I'm looking for. It's kind of like it has a lot of like NES sensibilities to them, but there's this sort of next gen paint over them. So it's sort of um, it's harder to su- suspend disbelief for me, kind of, I guess. Like I do, the, I do. on the NES, everything is very like representative. So when like, you know, you're going in a dungeon, you can sort of suspend disbelief and you'd be like, oh man, if I, you know, if this, if the graphics were better, I'd be seeing all these sort of things around here and I'd know why I'm in this place, but because it's, you know, not a particularly powerful system, you don't really have that issue. And I have a lot more of that issue with uh link to the past. I think. I do think that you're onto something about it being in sort of this in between space. Like it was about a year after the super Nintendo came out, the, the super Famicom really. And um, so it is, it is pretty early. Um, it does feel like, in a lot of ways, you know, kind of like the NES game. Like it's it's on a, one of the major innovations of this game was having diagonal walls. You know, like that kind of stuff where everything's still kind of on a grid. Everything is very purposeful, but then you just sort of add some random aesthetic on top of it. And I think that they were reaching though for some things, like the Eastern Palace in the Light World, where Sahasrala um is hiding. Um, feels purposeful somehow, like it has been built for some sort of worship and now it has fallen apart. Or you, you know, you go through Castle Hyrule and it has a prison and it, you know, these kinds of things where it feels somewhat sensible or even just like the light world has that weird uh, building that where you can drain the water. So I, that feels like a, a functional building and then it turns into a dungeon in the dark world. Like that's kind of an interesting, like there's some sort of function to these things. Um, and at the same time, many of the things don't make any sense at all or just feel like, well, we had to have seven dungeons. So of course there's one in the, in the forest and it's under a bunch of skulls and you know, it's just, it's a well, bit in weird. the dark world. I, I give it like 
that makes sense to me because the dark world is a place that was full that came into existence through malevolent magic right yeah and the dark world doesn't necessarily have to make sense in fact i wish the dark world made less sense i wish the dark world was more surreal and disconnected yeah they give a, a little bit too much context for the dungeons i thought in the dark world i was i like there's too much stuff that's like like the thieves den was used for this way and it's become a prison for this reason and it's like man just let me fill in the blanks myself i don't like i don't yeah i don't like it when people tell me what a thing is where's the like uh china Evil essay about where are is the farmland in hyrule um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like i don't want the game to try and tell me you know it doesn't need to have a toilet in every house right um when you get the overworld it absolutely needs a toilet in every house look why do you think there's so many pots around <laughs> Look, the end result of this conversation is you get Twilight Princess, and I don't think any of us want that. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants that. Um, it's it's I I kind of just wish it was a little bit more surreal in parts, but you know, I don't know. It's it's an interesting thing. It has a very like toy aesthetic to me. Like things are a bit flat shaded and almost plasticine in parts. Like the guards in the light world, especially, I think are representative of that. They don't look like they're wearing armor. They look like little plastic toys to me, which I, I'm, that's not a judgment. I just find it interesting. Um, does, did anybody else have that same impression of sort of like non-threateningness? Yeah, I mean, Link looks like he's wearing slippers when he runs around his little feet flop everywhere, like really casually. Like it, it does, it feels like, uh, yeah, and uh, also was... he's wearing his little nighttime hat when he goes to bed. <laughs> yeah, and the first thing you get is a little candle. I had, uh, maybe it's because I, it probably was that I posted in that uh, toyetic or diorama-like uh, world's galaxy oddity thread today, but I was reminded that the overwhelming impression I had of it when I was young was of a sort of uh, diorama or playset. Um, probably for one of the the first times, I didn't feel like I was looking at uh, muddy approximations of like it was just far enough away from impressionistic but still obviously not real that it felt like and there's i think a lot of it that this feeling is enhanced by like looking at the overworld map and how it's this perfect square um that is uh, slightly angled away from you and it's this like, gotta have slightly, mode seven. yeah slightly topographical looking mode seven thing that just lays out the whole world for you but it really just feels like I'm looming over a a game board uh, moving that I can move like action figures around them. It's interesting. And that was like, I think that was what I found so compelling when I was like an adolescent and I, the first time I emulated it. it, um, it oh, sorry, go ahead, Bachelor. It feels a lot like a Nintendo Power cover come to life. Um, with that sort of, you know, sculpy shit. And it, it does, you know, but I also think that's one of the reasons why I, I don't see any sort of Famicom connection here. Like, I think this is probably like 
the first Super Famicom game. Like, go compare this to games like, I mean, aside from stuff like, say, Pilot Wings or F Zero, the stuff that made heavy use of Mode Seven. But for like an action adventure game or an RPG or anything, like compare this to go like uh, Super Mario World or Final Fantasy IV or Dragon Quest V, which came out like almost a year after this. Those all look like, you know, they're not far removed from a Famicom game. This thing is huge. This thing has multiple planes to everything. This thing is like, um, it makes use of the, the Super Famicom hardware without actually, you know, doing constant show, you know, like we're going to show off, we're going to have the mode seven. We're going to have, you know, zoom in, zoom out. It's, um, it's really far ahead of all the other games that we're making at the time. Maybe I'm wrong on this. I don't yeah. know, but, um, it's, it's wild. Like I don't, I don't, I hadn't played this game in a while. And, uh, I was surprised by how much fun I was having with it. And I was surprised by how good it looked. It does have, I think the best trees maybe in any video game. Or at least God, in a two D game. God, the trees are amazing. And uh, you know, it's got these nice little squat houses. Even even the dark world. I kind of like the dead grass. I kind of like how gross it feels. It's like a, a few steps removed from say like a Dark Souls swamp. <laughs> it's maybe a good two D equivalent. I think and, there's um, performance issues in the swamp level of the dark world as well. <laughs> but. That running animation annoys the hell out of me. That dude's mo- feet are moving too fast. Little fucking feet. Little fucking they're feet. so cute, but he does these. They're moving faster than he is. No, it makes no sense at all. Didn't you? <laughs> didn't you run up to the like the farmer in the town and bully him? The one that runs away from you. <laughs> oh, I only got him the once. I I seem to remember if you keep catching him, he's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, he starts hassling you. It's great. <laughs> Yeah, I like that aspect. That makes a lot of sense to me too. Like a lot of the enemies subtly just use the the like enhanced sprite capabilities and sprite scaling and and rotation effects to do like just very subtle things that that give the characters a lot of depth. And I'm going to get into this with gameplay more. Was one thing I noticed a lot was a lot of the enemy design in this game seemed to be built around how can we build an enemy that can do something that we literally could not do on the NES? Yeah. I think like a prime example of that is when you hit a tree, when you slam into a tree face first and a bunch of bees come out, <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> here's 58,000 bees and like the huge bosses um, is like really, really good. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's just super interesting because parts of this feel like they're stuck in the past and parts of it feel like they're, they're really grasping for a you know the future and it's a very interesting game in that sense so um i want to talk about the music in this game again i don't know what to think about it because i'm too familiar with it it's hard for me to judge it in any real meaningful way or to or to be critical about it um, I love the music in this game. I think it's great. I wish the overworld loop was a little bit longer in the light world, but the dark world music rules. The dungeon music is great in both the light and the dark world. I'm just, I'm a big fan, but w- what do y'all think of it? Yeah. Um, it, it's very much with the whole, you know, like it's taking advantage of Super Nintendo stuff. Uh, it's selection of samples really sounds 
like, orchestral. Like, genuinely orchestral, which is not necessarily something I'm, I'm used to from a console of this age. I mean, a lot of it is because, like, naturally I've been playing a lot of Sega Genesis lately. But, um, so, like, I'm used to just, like, that the much more, like, electronic synthy sound, which can sound very, very good. But this sounds very different. Like, it's not necessarily, you know, worse or better. Just, like, it, it, it's as much a creature of the Super Nintendo sound chip as a Yuzo Koshiro soundtrack on a Genesis is, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, we're we're listening to the overworld music right now, probably, and you can hear those, like, horns and just, like, the general pomp and circumstance surrounding it um, is... is it, it could only, at the time, have been done on a Super Nintendo, I would guess. I mean, as far as consoles. I don't know what PCs were like at the time. I'm not paying attention. <laughs> no, no, like to Kenya, no to Kenya lay in the Sonic the Hedgehog Green Hill Zone music uh, here. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God. I'm going to defy conventions and say I wasn't the biggest fan of the music in this game. Uh, and I will explain why. Because I have never been a fan of the uh, faux orchestral sound that the SNES frequently wanted to do. I just, it's like, you're going for like this fake like organ and fake uh, violin and it just doesn't work. Not on the sound chip. I've never liked Zelda music, period, so I'm not a big fan of it at all. Oh, I'll sorry. Yeah, sorry, sorry everyone! I, I hate Zelda um, music! <laughs> no, it's I fine. Mean, like, it's, it's who all cares? <laughs> I, uh, forgot to, uh, mention, just can we go back, because I, uh, forgot to talk about the world. The graphics are okay, uh, I prefer the character sprites to the world sprites. Okay, done. <laughs> yeah, one of the weird things about this game is, like, I really don't find, um, this game has lots of... Okay, this game's, like, midway between, what, Zelda 1, which is this sparse world, and the only other people aside from Link are all really fucking old, right? Like, everyone's 90 years old and hiding in a cave. And um, then you have um, Link's Awakening, where everyone's a goddamn freak, and half the people look like Mario or Luigi. Um, and this game, they all kind of look like goofs. They all look like they're from some, like, like half the cast looks like they're, they were ripped from some, like, really bad Euro comic. Like, someone just, uh, made some Asterix knockoff. Maybe <laughs> I'm being too mean to the Twin Lumberjacks. Oh, God, the Twin Lumberjacks. Oh, no, those Jester with their horse mouths? I hate that. A Bumpkin, their names are A Bumpkin and B Bumpkin in the yes. English script. Yeah, I, I saw those lumberjacks and I was like, holy shit, I think I shot those things during my uh, recent playthrough of Stalker Shadow of Chernobyl. <laughs> the tiny dwarves are really cute, though. The the dwarves that are making the huge, huge sword for you. <laughs> and it's got oh, the, yeah. Oh, it's Trumpy. It's Trumpy. Or Alf. Actually, that's more Trumpy than Alf. That, 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 that's a neat kid. It is more Trumpy. Yeah, that reminds me. Um, I'm sure that it was made... <clears throat> excuse me, as an aesthetic decision to highlight uh, their tininess, but it's clear to me, uh, looking at it, that uh, these two uh, lovely gay dwarves um, with their... I'm not even going to try to make sense of those hammers. 
are uh, working at an uh, striking surface bottom die and anvil that is um, set too high for them. And Miyamoto, uh, as a gardener, I know that you have to be somewhat sensitive to, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, to uh, ergonomic issues. And it is extremely irresponsible for you to put these two uh, gay smithing dwarves in a position where they have to strike a magical sword on an anvil that's about shoulder level for them. <coughs> and I feel like this is an issue that isn't addressed often enough in uh, uh, video game discourse. In conclusion, um, boycott Nintendo. Maybe I don't. I don't. I don't really have any solutions. Good. Goodbye. <laughs> also, the Octoroks in this game look like they're wearing goggles, and like that, their snoots that shoot rocks are like strapped on. They're weird looking. What do I have to put into my game genie to make the dwarves kiss? <laughs> um. <laughs> You may need, like, a whole game god to do that, sadly. Uh, input code for 2069. Oh, Got it. It. Well, there's that old lady sweeping in, like, Kekarika Village, one of the first people you talk to, and I thought she was uh, uh, hosing down her lawn with a hose because of the animation. <laughs> I think I thought that as a kid, too. <laughs> This game sure has a bunch of cop callers, or at least two old ladies in that town. I don't like them. But they're bad, right? I don't know. I don't oh, like yeah, Link, Link, is, Link being the bad guy is, was really stressful as a child. Like, when you first leave and you think you're saving Zelda and you go out and all the signs have your face on it. Yeah, it's like, hey, yeah. this is the idiot who kidnapped Zelda. What the fuck? Yeah, so, yeah so when, they when the ladies would tell on me when I was a kid, I would always make sure to kill the guard with the face that says I'm wanted on it. <laughs> um yeah i guess like that is the one of the interesting things about this game is that it, it really is right <laughs> you gotta throw the sign out um th this is the first zelda game that had a significant significant amount of text in it um zelda there's two, a lot in zelda too eh, there is but it's all very like it's very terse and strange it feels like being it, it uh, an alien. It's very odd. What I'd, um, know, makes no sense. what I'd like to know about that is I'd be very curious to see how the writing in the first two Zeldas is in Japanese. That's like actually what I'd like to know. Because Japanese can be sometimes much more forgiving to the limitations of the NES like memory storage than English can be. The translation yeah. in this game is pretty uh, dry. I mean, it it's kind of dry. It, it's like I I don't know how it is. In the I like the liberal use of exclamation points for every single item. It's always like you found the bow. You can shoot arrows till you run out. Watch your magic meter. You got the big key. So <laughs> excited every time you find anything. The game is so excited for you, and it like adds to like because when you're finding bombs and arrows over and over, and it's just telling you what they do every time. It like adds to like the sarcasm a little bit. I get so annoyed when it tells me every time how to use a bomb. It's like, look, I used a bomb. I watched you do this, actually, Ramona. You used a bomb to go into a room. 
you opened up a chest that had bombs and it told you how to use the bombs. Infuriating. But it's <laughs> that was such bullshit. There's, I hate it too. Goddamn. And there's a specific stupid reason for it. That's so in the thieves palace, you know, when you have to throw the bomb over the thing to make the light shine down. Literally, everybody thought they didn't have the um the uh, messaging that every time you pick up bombs that you can pick up and throw them. And so you never do it in the game. Then you really need to do it in that point. And that's really the only time you need to throw a bomb. So they had to remind you every time you pick them up. So when you pick them up in the chest in that room, you remember to throw the bombs over the over the bar. Fascinating. It's important to remember these games were made for really stupid children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a children's game at the end of the day. And so... Yeah, it's and like before, uh, before we had like a aggressively standardized language for how game get played. But there is no excuse for that annoying beeping whenever you're low on health. There is. Ugh. We figured it out. It's an Ultraman reference. It sucks. What? Can, yeah. Okay, I can buy that. That's weird. That's interesting. <laughs> You're like, going to have to explain that to me. Okay. Oh, like Ultraman. <laughs> Ultraman. Oh, go ahead. You, you can explain it better than me, probably. Uh, so Ultraman is a superhero that has like a time limit, basically. Like he can transform and get real big like to fight the big monsters. Um, and like when he gets, when he's low on energy and is in danger of running out of time, it makes an annoying noise like that. Oh, okay. okay. I, I, I realized that when I was watching Ultra 7, uh, in December, I was like, "Oh God, this is so annoying." And I was like, "Oh God, this explains every fucking it's annoying game I've ever annoying. played." <laughs> <laughs> no, like the when they when they they made the sequel, the direct sequel to this game, A Link Between Worlds, on the 3DS, they fixed that by making it so that it dings like five times and then gently fades into the background. Axiom Verge had another really interesting solution in that it does constantly ding when your health is low, but it does it in time with the music, so it's a new instrument, which is fascinating. This game is just ding, ding, ding. It's like, fuck you. I hate it. <laughs> I mute the TV every time it happens. You could just never get hit. <laughs> yeah, yeah you can getting learning to play the fucking game. You can Okay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I would say the text is occasionally dry and occasionally joyful. The hookshot uh, is <laughs> the hookshot text when you get it. It says BOING in all caps <laughs> twice or three times. Boing! Mr. Saturn wrote the flavor text for the hookshot. <laughs> yeah. They so, it's good. bring that back in Ocarina of Time, too. They do, don't they? Yeah. yeah. There, there's a lot of... So... The, the the thought I had was that when we're talking about this is this is gun, but we're doing it here anyway. Um, when we talk about the bombs telling you that every time for a very specific single case, but they just do it all the time. I was thinking about this when I was playing that none of the other items do that. They don't tell you how to use arrows every time you get arrows. They don't tell you what twenty rupees are. But then in Ocarina of Time, they do. And in fact, in in uh, uh, oh god, the Game Boy one, fuck, Link's Awakening. Link's um, Awakening, yeah. Thank you. They do a lot of that, like, oh, you got a thing. I'll tell you that every time. It's almost like they did it because they did it in Link to the Past, and now we just always do it. And they expanded to include literally every item, which is infuriating. <laughs> I have to imagine it's because they assume the Game Boy audience is younger. And also, you did have the difficulty of playing things in 3D. Guess what? I like this game, and I like Zelda, and I'm going to sit here and come up with apologies for all the obnoxious shit in it. I was lying <laughs> earlier. I was. I like this game. 
<laughs> I I had a really good time playing this game, and I'm I'm wondering, do we have any like kind of final vanity notes before we move on to gun? I. I... Oh, oh, I really like the way Link looks when you push down from the, when you're standing above something, you push down, it looks like he humps it. It's very funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and if you grab something and pull back repeatedly, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Link is incredibly expressive when he strains. He puts a lot of work in. There are a lot of shapes that I found in the wild this time. Shapes formed by shrubbery mostly that are either a dick and balls or <laughs> just a little bit of trimming form dick and balls it's hard for me to post these anywhere cropped the way I would like to because I'm playing the, the switch version but I just wanted people to know that it's there Miyamoto Miyamoto, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm on to you. Oh, when you get to the, uh, when you first get to the dark world and you're dropped at the top of the, the temple or whatever that's called, uh, there's a really cool, like, I don't know what to call it, like the, the background of there. There's like a sort of sunset or something that has like heat haze on it. And there's like a, like a distant structure that you can't quite make out. It looks really cool. Oh, we never talked about those weird lava effects where the lava moves faster if you move up and down rather than side to side. Yeah, that's a good... That was such an odd thing. So, like, when you're on Death Mountain, there are rocks that have, like, tiny little streams of lava flowing down them. When you move left to right, it moves at the same speed. But when you move north, it moves faster. And when you move south, it goes slower or vice versa. I can't remember. Oh, yeah. That remind me of like when like cartoon characters were like tartan or like cross patterns, like they would move around the screen, but the pattern would stay still like it was on the background, like like two mm-hmm. layers. Yeah, and I think that like what yeah, it's two layers, exactly. There's a background of lava and then the foreground is transparent in those places. But I don't know why it doesn't matter whether you move left or right. I guess it's probably just stripes. It's probably, it's probably some stuff with scan lines. Like, it's almost certainly an optical illusion caused by scan lines, and unfortunately I can't explain any more than that. <laughs> no, it's not an optical illusion, because like when you, when you turn off any filters or anything, like you, it, it's still doing it when you emulate it with like pixel-perfect things. So it's, it's not like a CRT thing. It's very strange, though. I didn't understand oh, yeah, why. Okay, yeah, but that doesn't really matter because, like, scan lines are how the game processes stuff. Like, everything is built around scan lines when it comes to a game like this, right? Like, it doesn't matter if it's an actual computer because, like, it's it's just, like, how it's being drawn on the screen. And even if it's not being drawn with actual scan lines, it's still drawing it in as if it had scan lines. That's fair, and it could totally be that, too. I would like what I'd like to do is open this up in in uh, Znes and just turn off the layers one by one and see what happens. Is 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 the uh, switch sort of okay? Uh, TV filter. The reason why I finally noticed all these fucking Mario portraits in everyone's house. Yeah. Oh, the ones in the back. Yeah, mm-hmm. the Mario. You can use, I don't you remember. Can, you can pull on them and get rupees. What? Yeah, yeah, you can yank on them and either five rup- like they'll either be a group of four blue uh ones or four red ones. Damn, so this game has tongue yanking and Mario yanking. So mm-hmm. much yanking in this game. Yanking and pushing is so good. But yeah. where's the crank yanking? That's why I wanna know. 
Here's a question I'll have for Gun. So remind me to ask this: Is there any ever ever any need to pull something in this game to finish yes. a puzzle? Okay. Oh yes, the tongues. Right. Never mind. The tongue, okay. yeah. Right. But also the levers in the very first dungeon. Levers also some yeah, statues. Yeah. You have to, to pull pulled. the. You have to pull the lever to get to the sanctuary. You have to pull the lever to drain the water. There's a lot of levers. That's right. That's right. Okay. There's a lot of pulling. I was trying to think of bricks or statues you had to pull, but there I don't think there are any that you have bricks to. Can't be there pulled. is pushing and pulling of bricks, yes, but not as many as you would expect in a Zelda game. There's you and Zelda pulling it together, isn't there? Very yeah, yeah, yeah there's a Zelda. door that's too heavy that you have to push with Zelda, yeah. Well, you have to push that one, right? Yeah. But in any case, it was just, I just couldn't remember any. But yeah, you're right. It, it is mechanically necessary, not just fun. Um, anything else for vanity? Okay, cool. Um, let's, so I, I think, yeah, I, I think let's just move on to gun. <laughs> so this is our next topic, which is gun. Gun is where we talk about mechanics and gritty things and everything, that, essentially everything that didn't fit into the past topic that's still in the game. Um, so we're just going to dive right in. This is... I think a very deep well. I think we're going to be here for a while. Um, the gun in this game, the the mechanical similarities this has to Zelda One are there, but it brings a lot of interesting, like fuzziness to it. Like it's not so like just little things. You can move diagonally. Your sword swings in an arc versus just being stab out. Um, you get the speed boots, which let you just dash so fast, it's ridiculous. You know, you've got a, a, the first appearance of using the sword spin thing, um, that kind of stuff. And then there's, of course, the dungeons, which are much more puzzly than the first Zelda was, but much less puzzly than any future Zeldas would be. I mean, not any, but many. Um, so, I don't know, like, it's, there's a lot to unpack here. Very curious what, what you all think of the gun of Zelda, A Link to the Past. Sword collision is just rules. That's it. That's all I have to offer. It's, it's what? Offer. Joust rules. Joust rules. Uh, you have to be in like a the ar- Like the arcade game? The arcade game, Joust. But, you know, as, as exploited along uh, two axes instead of just one, so it's not just... Uh, whose uh, who's flying ostrich speed is higher. It's, uh, it kind of isn't, though, because as soon as you bump into something, you stop swinging your sword, which is kind of, like, unpleasant. There's a lot of... Honestly, like, mechanically, I mean, there's a lot of things I find, like, unpleasant in Link to the Past. Chuck, were you talking about, like, running with your sword out and playing just like that? No, it's just the the... Rather than each enemy being a thing that... Just being a hitbox... <clears throat> that your sword needs to intersect yeah. with. It has a specific... It has a geometry that you have to maneuver the hitbox of your sword around that it is affected by exactly how you are positioned. So approaching even like a basic guard face-to-face, um, one-to-one uh, doesn't necessarily work because you'll probably just... Or even if you are... Uh, assuming that you both have the same handedness. I'm not staring right at it now, so I can't keep it in the head. But basically, you have to get your sword around both their sword and around the side of their body that has a shield, even though your shield doesn't block sword strikes. But 
Yeah, yeah, and there's like a lot of knockback too. So like, even if you are hitting a guy and he's blocking you, you could just knock him away. Sometimes you can knock guards into pits, and it looks really, it's really fun. Yeah, and sometimes yeah, so- they can knock you back too. Yeah, you get knocked back into pits too. There's so there's so much like moving around during combat in this game. Yes, yeah, so well, it's like super awkward to me though. Like, you're, around, on, yeah. you're on you're on a deep cool. You're on this like strict digital movement on a D-pad. You can't fight the other. You can't fight your enemies like on a grid, so to speak, because you have to have slightly different alignment from them if you're fighting them face to face. And typically, any like any enemy that um, actually has some sort of AI that tries to go for you, if you if you do get hit by them, then they just sort of like stand in your hitbox, and you tend to get hit again. It's really awkward once an enemy like hits you once. Yeah, because I- you got hit. <laughs> like it's it, it changes the situation you're in. Like that's what I think is really interesting about it is how much the positioning matters. But I mean, like, once you get hit the first time, they walk into you while you are, like, in your invincible state. It's really awkward to hit an enemy that is, like, inside of you, essentially. <laughs> Sorry, I, I just really like that phrase. <laughs> I died walking into a room instantly in the first dungeon. I think that's bullshit. I just walked in there, and one of those little bouncy guys were bouncing off the wall, hit me, and I'm, I'm, I'm KO'd. I don't like that. She sprinkled them with that magic powder. Oh, wait, what does the magic powder do to them? The magic powder turns the the fairies, uh, the evil fairies that suck your magic into good fairies that give you health. Oh, I forgot about that. Those skulls with the red things flying around? Yes, if you you throw magic powder on the skulls with the red things flying around on them, they turn into good fairies. Yes, they're called like skull fairies or something. I can't remember. But does that, that. do they stay dead? Because that was as soon as I entered the room. They stay dead until you change floors. Um, yeah, because I was trying to, like, so, so sometimes the, the, the enemies reset. Like, there was one room no, I there's had some bullshit where those bouncing random enemies, you'll walk through a door and they'll just hit you. And, yeah, no, that's, it does suck. But, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not big on the feel of the game. Like, I mean, it, it does have a pretty good, like, the, the um you know, the whole, the, the castle and the dungeon. It's a pretty good tutorial. Like, the way, you know, like, you go down, you fight, you encounter all the knights and you knock them off the ledges. Like, it does a good job of teaching all new things you can do. I'm not crazy about the sword combat. I'm not crazy about... I don't know. Like You, you do have a lot of tools, right? Too but, many! Yeah. Too many tools! <laughs> and you can't use them. No, there's so much shit in this game that it. you use once. Unlike, there's too many medallions. What the fuck do you need all those medallions for? Nothing. You only need the ether medallion. That's the only useful one. Oh, wait, no, maybe you need the bombos one. But there's, like, you could only have... Like, there's all these things where, like, you need this once to open a door. You need this once for this puzzle. And, like, you can use it again. So you have options, which can be cool. But also, it's like, I feel like stuff could have been consolidated. But since it's a Super Nintendo game, they have to be super. Oh, the last game had eight items. This one has to have 16, like, items that you, like, are secondary or whatever. And it's just, I thought that was annoying. It's got confusing. What I meant by, like... I I, I want to back up one second and talk about the combat for just a second because I think yeah. that it gets at the heart of what is interesting and also frustrating about this game for me is that it pushes back on you a lot and it moves you around a lot and it forces you to like redo things a lot um, and I find that fascinating but it, it didn't sit well with me a lot of the time I've played this I game so it. much that the combat is is fairly like 
simplified to me. But I, but when I learned it as a kid, I was just like, why isn't my sword doing anything? So what right. do you think, Tigress? I, okay, I actually really like that because I really like how much this game is about positioning. And when you take damage, you're not just taking damage, it's putting you in a less advantageous position. Yeah. Like, I, I actually like that aspect about it a lot. And I yeah, think it's, it's a, possible to go through it without like ever getting hit. Like you, you can beat Zelda without getting hit. That's not because the of the options available to you. That's just because the game is pretty easy. I yeah, but and also I mean, the options it is available because to you of the options because available you, can, to you, you can cape and hook shot and like fire rod and like keep things away from you. It's very much with the options available to you. Yeah, I yeah, do. I just mean that, like it's not. I don't know. It's not a tremendously difficult game, but it also has points of fairly high difficulty for me, especially. Yeah, it, it definitely oh, yeah, there's, does. Yeah. Especially once you get it, start getting into the Dark World dungeons. Yeah, the only reason I'm good at this game is because I've played it so many times. I'm not, like, it's not, there's a ton of stuff that's hard for me, and the Ganon fight still makes me frustrated. Yeah, uh, I do want to say, like, when I said it was easy, I just meant that, like, the it's very deterministic as a game. That is true, yeah. And I feel like it's... I don't know. I find this whole game fascinating because like I, I was I would play it and I would be frustrated in the moment. I would pick the wrong path in a dungeon and it's like, OK, I went through this series of obstacles and now I needed the big key. So I need to go all the way back to the beginning and go the correct way. That's frustrating. It's pushing back on you. Uh, the combat, like you get bounced around, you get bounced off of things, you get knocked into pits. It's frustrating. Um, but I would then... When, once I would complete something and you know finish a dungeon or whatever, I'd feel like, okay, cool, I'm, I'm happy, I'm going to quit. And then I would come back and feel like, okay, I want to keep playing this game. It's, I, I can't really define it, but the game frustrates me in the moment, but I want to come back to it later to continue playing it. And I think part of that is because the mechanically, I feel like I'm fighting with the controls and with the design sometimes. But at the end of the day, I find it satisfying to, I guess, win the fight it's not super hard and it's not like dark souls or something but it is i don't know it's it's not what i expected it's not what i remembered of this game i feel like in my recent experience um it takes this fairly simple on the surface or it tries to take what is a fairly simple on the surface um uh top down you go in for uh four sometimes eight uh, but you have to be locked in a given direction when you're it's not the precisely the direction you're going in uh yeah what are our sentences um game and you hit uh attack button sort of game and it adds just enough like edge slipperiness to break things up and provide speed bumps it's like so much of this game and so many decades of jokes in this game it's been about uh cutting grass with your sword so that you can get uh money and how silly that is but if you do that and just sort of heedlessly charge forward every once in a while there's going to be a mine that blows up in your face or there's going to be a bee, or there's going to be a soldier or something. So it feels like a lot of these touches <coughs> uh, excuse me, are like, okay, we have 
simple game. How do we, how do we make it so that you can't, you can never completely tune out and <laughs> autopilot your way yeah. through this. And one I, thing, thing, go ahead, Tigress. One thing I find as it goes, at, once it gets to the later dungeons, and I found this really, really, really true of the later dungeons was, yeah, it doesn't use, like, the entire inventory, but it uses a lot more of it than a lot of the later Zeldas do. Um, like, the optional cape item that lets you turn invis- invisible and invincible briefly is, you can't use it forever because it drains your magic meter, but there's a bunch of situations in the game where you need these, like, tight timings of it if you don't want to burn out your entire meter, and it starts to sort of feel like a dodge, Right? There's situations you can use a bomb in that give you big advantages in a fight when you use a bomb as opposed to another weapon that aren't super obvious. Different wet enemies react different ways to the hookshot. The hookshot is worth considering when you're in a situation with the enemies that that are impacted by that. Uh, I, I don't even just mean the bosses. I mean like the basic enemies with their movement patterns and how they engage you, engage you and you engage stuff. It's kind of like how a how a Mega Man game works, in that you can get through the whole thing with a Buster Sword, but the more you experiment with your inventory, the more options you have. And especially in the later Dark World dungeons, this becomes really beneficial to you. Like a big one that sticks out to me for that, because yeah, I was agreeing with you. It's not only bosses, but uh, is the the green uh, penguin furries in the in the crystal in the. Ice Dungeon, they die one hit if you hit them with the hook shot. But if you hit them with the sword, I think it takes like two or three hits. So it's yeah. uh, there's a lot of like really cool stuff like that. And the hook shot is extra special because the ground is slippery, so you can get places without slipping. Yeah, the, and um, well, I didn't mess around with it that much. It took me a really long time to realize the cane. And like, if I was going back and playing it again, I would experiment more with the cane item because when you use the cane item, you make a block, and you can push that block around, uh, but you can also swing the cane again, and then it shoots in four fireballs in four directions, and that actually damages enemies. Yeah, I remember that. I Actually, the, the Penguin Furries in particular, this playthrough, I, I knew it from before, but I had completely forgotten the hookshot thing, and accidentally finding that, because I had my bow out a good 30% of this game, I was trying to shoot an arrow at one and I shot my hook shot instead because I forgot I had it out and it just died. And I was like, oh, that's very pleasing. <laughs> like there are a lot of situations like that where the tool set's really useful. The mummies are weak to fire, but they're also weak to ice, which is functionally the same thing. But it's just it's interesting. Uh, there's There's enemies that test your ability to understand the momentum so like the weird domed blue or pink like scrabbling little squid things um those ones are weak to exactly nothing maybe bombs i never tried bombs but you have to hit it with your sword and when you hit it with your sword it bounces you back like hardly any other enemies bounce off you when you hit them with the sword <laughs> so you and and they're often around pits so you have to yeah you know, they're always understand that. in in dungeons where you have to maneuver around huge pits you're either you're trying to knock them into pits while you're not trying to get knocked into them yeah in it is of, interesting how like they all don't bounce you this all enemies don't bounce you the same yeah yeah in link's awakening uh one 
one one thing about those enemies in Link's Awakening that I actually prefer in Link's Awakening is that you can't damage them with a sword. You can only knock them into pits. Yeah, that would be a more interesting design yeah. because they become much easier once you upgrade your sword and you can kill them in one hit. The blue ones in one hit, and I think the pink ones in three. Yeah. Um, but one thing I want to point out about the ice rod and the fire rod and the mummies is that the ice rod is, I think, technically an optional item. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and um, you may not have the ice rod when you encounter the mummies. Like, you probably will, but you might not. And you get the fire rod in the dungeon with the mummies. So there is sort of a difference in texture that can happen depending on how much of the overworld you've explored, uh, which is something I, I really like about this game, is that there is a bunch of optional shit in it. I mean, these are all... Uh, uh, this is all pretty much from the first one, too, though. Oh, yeah, like, sure. Yeah, but and I, and I think it does a much better job, the first one of it. Because there's a sprawl to all this. And the game's not quite as hard and not quite as claustrophobic. Um... And uh, and I think that means like just so many items just end up feeling more like keys than ways of enhancing your um, move set or adding or adding real, uh, see depth. yeah that was actually a a thing that I considered when I was playing it I was like wow this is actually kind of um, I don't know why people don't sort of lump this in with Metroid or Castlevania. Like, you know, I only played the first dungeon just now, but it's like, you know, it's easy to take out those... It's tedious to take out the green enemies with armor in their eye. You know, you hit them three times and they go to sleep and you hit them three times and they then they go to sleep and you hit them three times and they die. Or you shoot them with the arrow once and you win. And it's like, it, it, that's just kind of how a lot of these encounters play out, at least from how I recall it. While, um, you know... Or just yeah, like, like the mummies are the the same. Where it's like, yeah, it's cool that they are weak to fire, but you don't. You could just use the sword, and their AI is. Yeah, and I just do the I four, I do the fourth dungeon first, so I can kill the mummies faster, so I can get the sword upgrade because the mummies are annoying to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's got it, the fact that the game um seems you know it really does point you in directions that the first one doesn't. Like you can ease you, you chances are you're gonna stumble across like you know level three before you find level two. Um or something like that, you know? Um I think it makes the average player far less likely to actually explore any of these tools. I think you're going to view them all as keys rather than, you know, fleshing out your moveset. Yeah, but also it sucks to switch weapons or items. It's it just sucks to switch that in the bit. first game too. <laughs> Yeah, also yeah, but you're not doing it as much. It it doesn't suck in Link's Awakening because you can use two items at once. Well, it it, it does suck now. It does it does really help that you can swap out um your 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 sword. That's a big. If you're able to actually like play with items in a way that you don't like. That's why Ganon sucks at the end of the game is because you're constantly switching between you know something to light up the dumb torches and your arrows. Yeah, you're I, not you're not you're not switching quite as often in the first one. Um, you're pretty yeah. I mean, the first one has lots of limitations that are very I, yeah, very annoying. I think, I think that's why speedrunners like Link to the Past so much is because so much of it is menu optimization kind of stuff, and they love that shit because it's the least random. <laughs> that's very. Yeah, I, I thought it was. 
I guess I thought it was minorly annoying, but I didn't think it was like even remotely a deal breaker for me. Like I'm in the same camp. Like I don't yeah. mind switching around in the menus, except when I get stuck in the bottle menu, which fucking infuriates me. But the bo- um, yeah. when Oh god, the way that is designed is terrible. Oh, yeah. Up down and side to side shit just fucking with you. No, it I should have just had menu. four bottles. Just have on four the bottles. Side of the screen. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And get rid of it. really sucks, actually. It's really funny. I don't know if anyone has like a screenshot of it, but there's like a third of it is spent telling you that the A button can be used for like six different actions. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Like it's such a bizarre menu. I don't have a screenshot of it, but yeah, it's but I, I would say I didn't feel like the inventory tax was too high. Like the menu tax was not too high. Um I think that it's kind of interesting to go from I have a sword to I have 16 things and like feeling well equipped for most situations. That was, I think, I think more than mechanically, it made me feel well equipped for situations versus actually necessarily needing that. Um, I like that there are three medals. It's excessive. It's, it doesn't make any sense, but there are three medals because there are three, uh, like, uh, the big stone tablets and they're associated with the three temples like it's just it okay sure why the fuck not um, okay you know what i like them now they have a point they didn't have a point before because okay so why i didn't like them before was because two of them are used to open doors and one of them isn't and mm-hmm. but now oh each of them is associated with the light world temple oh no shit no that's actually cool okay i like it <laughs> <laughs> like it's kind of you know it i feel like they were going for a feeling and I don't think that they necessarily nailed it mechanically because, for instance, I only used the cane that makes you invincible and also damages enemies versus the cape that makes you invincible and doesn't damage enemies. I mean, my God, what a tiny little like mechanical difference between well, two explicitly you, separate items. <laughs> you can walk on spikes with the cape. You can walk on spikes with the cape, too. <laughs> oh, uh, no, with the cape, not with the cane. You can't walk on spikes with the cane. Really? Oh, weird. Okay. See, it's like that seems so. Really? That's why there's a, specific, there's a specific heart piece that has a message that says you need to use the cape for this because you can't use the cane because it's not only spikes, but there's also one of those blue bouncy circle things. And if you're yeah, not. Yeah, the blue bouncy things is the difference. Yeah, yeah. And that's what you. That will kill you. Yeah, you have to go underneath. Is how I felt about it. When you're invisible, you're really just in the ground. You go underneath the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the blue bouncy things that's fair but it just seems so pointless to separate those like i don't understand the difference you know so it, it's it's like very the, interesting i i don't know like i i feel like the vast majority of the items have a lot of interesting uses for them uh, uh it feels more like the exception to the rule to me that an that an item like is, is not useful in a weird way um i guess the only thing i don't like is the blue cane I never even got the blue cane in my playthrough. <laughs> right, you don't need it. Yeah, you definitely don't need it at all. I mean, um, the book doesn't do really much of anything. That's just yeah, one it's a, key. Yeah, it's a key. On, yeah, it's a key. The ocarina is also like it's a warp. It's a warp. Yeah, the ocarina yeah. gets you to the the ocarina gets you to the fucking uh, potion shop. The ocarina is the most important item. Yeah, that one yeah, that rules. One, I yeah. love the bird. It's a it's a warp. The book is a key. Well, yeah, it is a. Tool, yeah, you have to use it you. to advance at one point. I don't. Has yeah. a book ever really done <laughs> anything? The best part about the book is ever? getting the book. Knocking the book like off the, the shelf whole... to grab it is really fun. That is good. I mean, it's yeah, got a lot it's... of cute. Well, what are the? Okay, never, so I, I mean, why would 
I've never found a use for a book other than getting one. <laughs> I have to think about this. My mom used to, to cause she would get the, I don't know what they are medically, but, and this is maybe gross for people, but she would get these weird, like bubble looking things on her wrist and she would smash them with a book down into her wrist. <laughs> so would they pop? Would they pop no. like stress bubbles? Oh, no, it was weird. They like dis, dis, they disappeared. So that's a use for a book is to smash your weird oh. bubble skin. <laughs> that's that's subtle. I'm going to smash. Cool. I hate this in the book should be removed. You know, your mom just used the magic hammer. I'm gonna smash my butt. The hammer sucks too. Every day. The hammer is good for the first uh, dungeon for turtles and for uh, killing the boss. And what is there? Is another dude that you can kill with it later? The problem the with using a hammer on your human body is ah! uh, that's a lot of weight. Like the fact that it's a purpose built striking, <clears throat> excuse me, the fact that it's a purpose built striking tool means that if you're not extremely careful, you could injure yourself. Whereas if you use like a, a, a light, <clears throat> a light book, um, sorry for giving you um, points to edit out instead of, uh, un there instead <laughs> of instead of unpressing, unpushing, push to talk. But like if if you pick the right book, it's like the binding will be reasonably soft. Um, assuming it's cloth bound, and um, if it's not too heavy, and all of the weight is just all of the weight is like evenly distributed throughout the book unless it's an extremely unusually structured book. So the fact that it's a less efficient striking tool means that your weird underflesh bubbles may be better taking... What are we talking about? What are we talking about? I think we're talking about Zelda. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'll be back in a minute. Hey. <laughs> All right, shrug. Okay, so I think we can all agree that we none of us can agree on how good the items are or not. I personally enjoyed them. Some people thought they were annoying. But what I really want to talk about is the this is the first Zelda game that uses the two worlds mechanic that they would later reuse in Ocarina of Time, they would later reuse in Twilight Princess, uh, and... Uh, of course, Link Between Worlds, because it's just a sequel to this. And I think a couple of others. I don't know. There's some games I can't remember. Uh, I mean, the It's Oracle also the first games. game where you can get attacked by chickens. Yeah, but <laughs> it is. But I want to talk about the Dark World, Light World thing, because I think it's it's sort of... I, I find it endlessly fascinating. Um, specifically that, like, you have to... The game asks you to build a mental map of the entire Light World that you transpose onto the dark world mentally um, while you're adventuring around to find differences so that when you warp from the dark world to the light world, you're someplace you could otherwise not be. It asks you to do that quite a few times. Uh, it start the first time you go to the dark world, it asks you to do that in a small way. And I find that just totally fascinating. Um, but <laughs> I'm curious what I'd like. I think it's cool, but I also don't think it, it, it necessarily plays well with many of the other things. Like, it just seems kind of superfluous in I some way. So I'm curious if it, what people think of that.
um, being that I'm sort of the apologist for the game here, I'm just gonna step up and go, I like it because a lot of the actual puzzles and interesting things about a lot of the actual puzzles in this game are, are about navigation, navigating spaces, right? And that's kind of the ultimate example of navigating spaces. And it rewards you for understanding the world, and it rewards you for finding novel ways of moving through the world to find secrets. I always ended up just using the castle and just going to the dark world that way and then warping back to the light world and and then going back to the dark world. I never really memorized the, the seven blue... Actually, no, I did. My brain is showing me where all of them are right now. Okay, I know where they all are. But, like... I didn't really use them. A lot of them seem out of the way. The only one that's super useful are like the ones that you need to get into dungeons. So the one for the swamp, for Misery Mire, for the uh, for the ice dungeon, like there's uh, and to get to the part of Turtle Rock that you need to get to. Like there's a few like that. But and obviously the very first one where you meet the the, the, the bouncy ball person. See, I I had forgotten entirely that trying like, to go. Like that one by Hyrule Lake sucks. It's right by the. Sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's one... totally pointless. There's one by Hyrule, uh, Hi- Lake Hyla that's like just to the north of it and a little off. T- uh, uh, but there's one in the middle of Lake Hyla that you used to get to. It's it's stupid. It's I don't know. There's some that are. It's it's another one of those Super Nintendo things where it's just like there's a little too many. There didn't need to be that many. With just but... weird blue tiles. Like they're not like I don't know. They're they look like Chrono Trigger. They, yeah, they look like Chrono Trigger uh, space travel, time travel. Like the well. I think the light world, dark world thing, it, it's got to be kind of like, you know, it's kind of like this game's second quest, right? It's kind of working in the same, you know, the first one, we had two quests, and now we have two quests too, except it's all happening at once. And it's also a game where you're like kind of going through, um, not levels. It's a game about depth, right? In a lot of ways, like you have mul- level- dungeons with multiple levels, and then on certain levels, you have like, you know, the higher level and then the lower level. And you're kind of doing that dimension-wise, too, by going through the light world and the dark world. It's always something on top of something else. That's actually really true. This yeah. game has a strong sense of things on yeah. top of other things. I, I, I want to I say one thing, Tigris, before, uh, but, but I want you to say what you're going to say. Daphne, you were talking about how the warp points are essentially pointless. I forgot for my entire playthrough and never ran into it that when you go into the castle, it warps you to the dark world. <laughs> um, so I only used the uh um the blue portals so i was trying to figure out where they were i was trying to figure out which ones were going to be closest to the the things i needed to do in the dark world um and i think that the game would be better served by just closing the gate on the castle and forcing you to use those portals because then they have very specific uh things that that are important about them this one's close to the gossip shop this one's close to the town that kind of thing um versus just go to the dark world and basically the center of the map and as long as you can get somewhere you can get there um so anyway that's what i was going to say i i actually like that there are portals and i wish that the castle didn't warp you um what were you going to say tigers oh well yeah just like that's what i was trying to say about the game that i think what a lot of is interesting and and like the actual puzzle aspect of it is often about navigating and i think even like with the distinction between the central area and all the additional tiles is it's not necessarily that you can't predominantly use the central warp but that um like like the items, I feel like the game is very rewarding when you experiment and learn about it more. And the more you learn about it, and the more you engage with its systems, I feel like you can get in, you can 
get a lot of advantages and do things faster and do things better the more you understand the game. And the more context you have for the game on every level, the better time you're having with it. And I think I it think, is potentially... Can you, can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Well, I mean, you could just go to the same thing, same warp, but remember, you can't do the flute warp in the dark world. So by figuring out where the blue tiles are, you can use the flute warp to get around faster. It's not like a huge thing, but you. Can, but that's like how I always figured it when I was younger. I would go to the light world. I'd warp someplace with a tile that was close to where I wanted to be in the dark world, and then I'd warp to the dark world in the tile. Yeah, I guess they're just like the way that they replaced it felt like it was always just easier for me to just warp through the castle, or like uh, uh, start just like. Yeah, they just—I guess—I guess they could just be spread out more. I only use—I only warp to the ones that would specifically take me to dungeons. Yeah, like for me, I—I I played this game weird as a kid because I was very intimidated by dungeons. So I would spend as much as time as possible between dungeons whenever I got like a new item in a dungeon, just seeing what stuff I could push in the overworld and figuring out all the ways the overworld crisscrossed on itself and what stuff you could access with the new items and, and what new options were available to you and what stuff you could press forward and see, right? And the game is very rewarding for that. It's got a prescribed order, but like a lot of stuff, if you do the really straightforward thing, it is more annoying than if you sort of go around and do a weird side thing that should be more annoying, but ultimately isn't and sort of gives the game this fun back and forth flow that I really appreciate in the game. I, Oh, go ahead, Shrug. I was just going to say, so it's uh, clearly analogous to uh, reading a book the way that uh, they're allegedly intended to be used versus uh, using a book to uh, beat <laughs> on your flesh bubbles. One of them uh, is, is, you know, you get, the intended experience, but the other is the only way to uh, really live with and know and get full satisfaction out of your reading uh, material. You have to feel the book slamming into your flesh. <laughs> um, I think that Tigers, what you were talking about, sort of pressing on the edges of this and finding rewards there is another interesting part where I think this this pulls back from the non-linearity of the very first game, which very much rewards pressing on the edges and also punishes pressing on the edges. It's very interesting in that way. Um, but it's still not all the way to, like, Ocarina of Time is fairly linear. Yes, you can do things out of order, but eh. Um, this there's game a, is... There's a lot of fun shit you can pull on the overworld in that game, but that's a different cast. Yeah, but th this game... It, it makes motions to that. Like you, you kind of have to do parts of the game in order. Like I think you can do the first three dungeons slightly out of order, but I don't remember. It's not encouraged and it's not, it doesn't mean anything. But then once you get to the dark world, you absolutely have to do the first dungeon, but then I believe you can pick between the, the next, There's like a two... bunch of them. You could do, yeah. you can do um, the thieves den or City of Thieves, or Gargoyle's Domain. It's got a lot of different names. Uh, you can't get there without the hookshot or 
You need you need an additional tool. Yeah, I'm talking about right out at the start, right? Like once you got the hammer, you can get there with a hammer. Can you? Yep, Shit. I did it. I did it on this playthrough. Wild. So you only the the you have to do the first Dark World dungeon, but from there, if you press enough, you can get to the other dungeons. Is that you can saying? get to a surprising number of them? Yes, you can get to. Wild. You can, yeah, you can either, you can get to that one, you can get to... After you beat the first dungeon, the dungeons that you definitely have available to you are the forest one, the thieves' den, and the swamp one. Yep. And you can do all of them uh, in in any order thereafter. Although, like, the hookshot one, the, the swamp dungeon is probably the most straightforward and obvious one. Like you're only going to be able to get to the forest and the the sit uh, the gargoyles and thieves palace, whatever it's called, the thief one in the middle of the village of outcasts, which is the dark world version of Kakariko Village. Uh, you can do that one first, and that's actually my preference because then you get the green, like you can you get the second rock lifting item, like you've got the light, the green titan mitt, the titan titan's mitt, yeah. And that opens up a ton of the game and like a lot of places you don't necessarily need it to access, but it opens up a lot of shortcuts and improves your navigation a lot. Yeah. I think the game is improved a lot by doing dungeons out of order. The best, the like, I like to do one, two, and then I do the thieves one four before I do the forest because of what Tiger said about getting the glove open up, opens up the game a ton and makes it like, it just makes it more interesting. And also the mummies suck. So hitting them in less hits with the red sword is more fun. And then I also do Misery Mire before doing the Ice Palace because there's that puzzle where you have to get, push a block through a bunch of floors and think a lot. Or you can just use the cane that makes a block and put it on the button and the puzzle's solved. And that makes the game more fun. <laughs> and what I like about the game is that it is that the more I pushed at it, yeah, there were definitely places that stopped me and said, yeah, you can't do this yet. But it was surprising just how much it's you could push at it and poke at it and it would say yeah yeah you po- you did something in a way that wasn't the most obvious way and we're going to let you go go ahead and do it which was what i found really compelling about it and is and and very similar to the first zelda in that respect and i liked a lot the the thing that frustrated me was and, and i i say this like i pushed on i push on the edges a lot i like to do that i tried to find a way over the river to get to Kakarika Village right after getting the hammer, and I couldn't. I don't know what I missed. I'm very confused. So, <laughs> um, but that's okay. I uh, the thing it involves that, the forest and warps with the forest. Okay, yeah, I must have missed the warp in the forest. But um, the thing that annoyed me was going to Turtle Rock. <laughs> I kept wanting to get into Turtle Rock. Okay, that, that, that navigationally sucked. Yeah, because like you have to warp at the top of death mountain but you can't you have to walk there from the bottom of death mountain and then you go so like the first obstacle is a hammer so i'm like okay cool i'll I'll use the hammer but you can't see any further than that so as soon as i got the hammer i went up there and then further than that are, are the the black rocks the two you need the titan's mitt um to do that so i'm like fuck so as soon as i get the titan's mitt i come back um and then as soon as you go in the dungeon, there's a pit that you can't cross without the cane of Berna or whatever the red cane is. I'm like, God damn it. I've been here. 
this is the third time and I still can't come in. Like this sucks. So yeah, I was just like, that was fury infuriating, but finding out that you can get anywhere pretty much other than that after the first dungeon is, is fascinating. Um, I think coming from the first Zelda, I would have been disappointed at the lack of freedom coming from older Zelda or uh, newer Zeldas. I'm impressed at the amount of freedom, another way in which I think this exists in this bizarre liminal space between modern Zelda and ancient Zelda, so to speak. Yeah, it's I, very interesting. I really like the blend of it, uh, personally. Like, um, I like the guided feeling, and I like unlocking stuff and feeling like you're opening up stuff. And I also like that it has some room for experimentation, too. I never really quite got that. Like, I think, I mean, I think it's interesting to compare it to, like, Breath of the Wild, where... I mean, assuming that's okay for me to bring that comparison up, but yeah, for sure, please <laughs> gives you like all the tools straight off the bat, but lets you press with them sort of however you want. And I never felt like I was able to really, you know, I could do things in a separate order, but I was always well within Nintendo's. Like, I never felt like I was cheating or doing something that I wasn't supposed to. I just felt like I was going somewhere that I didn't. That maybe a friend wouldn't notice that I could go. Yeah, like, that's kind of the case even in, in Breath of the Wild to me. Like, I love Breath of the Wild, I, and I also think, like, Breath of the Wild itself is kind of a very unique kind of genre-redefining game. But that's, like, 20, 30 years later for one thing. And for another thing, a lot of the coolness about Breath of the Wild is very intentional and very designed. Yeah, one of the things that, like sticks out for Nintendo games in general, especially, like, Super Nintendo, like, Nintendo 64, is, like, all the stuff that is, like, game-breaking or whatever, or, like, out of order, like, is supposed to be in there. It's, like, we know people are gonna play within these barriers, uh, within these parameters, so let's, like, let them do that. But that doesn't make it feel cheap and, like, oh, it's, like, I don't have to outsmart a developer to d enjoy something in a game, I guess. I don't, I don't feel the need to outsmart a developer. It's just that Link to the Past, in particular, all the secrets feel like you know, something that I could read about in Nintendo Power, not, like, something that has a lot of, like, true mystery to it. I, mean, I guess I don't it, see what's distinct about it from the first Zelda in that case, right? I guess I don't see what's I mean, you can read all secrets on the internet. Vid vid video games? I mean, Breath, <laughs> yeah, of, Breath exactly, of the Wild yeah. is... Breath of the Wild is enormous because it is... It is modern AAA video game, and it's <coughs> like it's it's the same shit, a, bigger scale. Yeah, it is a it, it's a Zelda team trying to say, okay, what what has everybody been doing with with? I guess like it's a Zelda actually, like Link to the Past, there isn't. It doesn't feel like there's a lot there mechanically for to you know. I can do stuff in a yeah, different I mean, order, but um, yeah, what but I'm it's doing also is, like. It's not just the difference between in like scale between uh, between the early '90s versus the mid to late 2010s. It's um, 3D versus a 3D game versus a 2D game. It's uh, I mean a lot of the the enhanced scope of and like the way that the way that it kind of refreshes the possibility space is the phrase that's coming to mind. And I apologize for that. Um, the <laughs> is that breath of the wild is more of a systems based game where, you know, 
I guess I can yeah, yeah. smatter. Esoteric, like yeah. game-breaking stuff too. Like speedrunners play Link to the Past constantly, and there's all sorts of weird stuff to exploit, like to get through walls and to like uh, get into rooms you don't need and to make items do other things. But like, that's not in Nintendo power, I guess. And, like the the fact that you can like do surprising and weird things with all of these systems within the scope of this gigantic 3D game that has a robust physics system and whose tools are made to interact with that robust physics system. Of course, it's going to be a lot more... Um, of course, you can do more yeah, just yeah. because you just because there's more... You know, if there are more dungeons, uh, again, there's, uh, if there's dozens of shrines, then you can do the dozens of shrines in a whole different order. But I was still... Cause I started playing it fairly recently <clears throat> um, at home after... Having like just experienced the the opening bit on the isolated plateau of Breath of the Wild, that is, at my nephew's house, and uh, so I was like very, and I had seen other chunks of it, uh, watching them play on save files that were far far ahead of where I was, um, so I was just sort of pushing around it random and not doing what was right in front of me. And I kept running into uh, what was essentially stat gating in different areas of the world. And you don't have this item and you can't do this and then the other thing Like you still have to get, or you still have to like discover the recipes so you don't get boiled to death in this area. You still have to do, you still have to assemble the tools. It's just that the, the, you don't always yeah, have to, though. A lot like of times, a recipe. You, and I guess maybe it's the Breath of the Wild. It felt like I was able to play the game wrong in a in a way that maybe I don't feel quite so much in Link to the Past. And obviously, you can't play a game wrong. They're made of systems. Like you can't do a thing that the developer didn't intend necessarily. Unless you're like doing some weird memory hack or like a some sort of glitching. But the thing that's one of the things that I really enjoy in games is sort of that interplay between where it feels like I'm sort of pushing at the limits of what the developer wanted me to do. And maybe they're sort of acknowledging that and letting me do that. And I didn't really feel that way with Link to the Past. I felt like I was, um, I felt a little bit like condescended to, I guess, maybe. I would say, I I, I just kind of want to weigh in because I think that this is very a very interesting conversation. Um, I kind of think it comes down to taste in a way. Um, I also felt like I was bowling with bumpers, so to speak, when playing Link to the Past. Um, it didn't feel like they're <laughs> actually, that's a very good, that's a very good yeah, thing. Yeah, that, it that sounds because it's constantly bouncing me around, but I never feel like I'm actually in danger of anything like, uh, just bizarre happening. Like, or I, I'm not in a, a space where, one wrong move will get me killed. I think that's the interesting thing about Zelda 1 is that you can push up on barriers and they're they're hard, but not in the sense that you can't do them. Uh, they they are just very, very difficult. Like if you get hit by one of those horse idiots who throw swords at you, you die. Um, that's it. Uh, this game has very few of those kinds of barriers in my mind. Like, yes, there are enemies that do a lot of damage, um, but the combat is it such a way that it's actually relatively easy not to get hit once you kind of get used to it. Um, and then, but there are a lot of barriers where it's like you literally cannot enter 
this dungeon until you've done these three other things. Um, and I think it comes down to how much that bothers you. Like I was extremely bothered in Breath of the Wild that there was the whole northeast corner of the map with Death Mountain required me to figure out what they wanted me to do. I wanted to push into that like you can on snowy mountains where you just take damage by existing, but you can push farther into it because it's slow damage. The hot damage is too hot. You get five feet, you just fucking die. So I, I was extremely annoyed by that. I could see I, not being yeah, annoyed I, by that. One of the things with like, um, just by having the dark world and the light world dynamic, there's no way you can actually get to the deep end early on and link to the past. And you also just have like so many of the secrets are just kind of like, they're there. Like, you, you know, now you know which walls to bomb because they have cracks in them. You have things like, you know, like you no longer have to just like guess or just go and randomly burn bushes around the map. But um, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's interesting because it's like it, it's very much Nintendo Super Nintendo stuff is really weird because it seems like they were just like they had all these tools, like they had all these buttons on this controller, but they were kind of like apprehensive about letting you use all of them like they thought maybe the player couldn't handle it like think about like you know how like you can't use um the difference between controlling samus and super metroid and uh metroid fusion fusion like with, with um the shoulder buttons i can't remember exactly how they work it's just it's just more fiddly about making letting you aim up and stuff and like or how uh in this game you have like a face button devoted to the map rather than a second weapon and how there's a whole um yeah or the the dash button i mean yeah it's basically just a dash button that isn't really i don't know yeah and there's a whole like they could have done that yeah it felt like a nes game to me and that it is in a lot of ways still like a two-button game yeah like that's that's the thing with with nintendo's um super nintendo stuff i feel like it's always in this kind of like in between thing and then they, like, if you compare that to like Link's Awakening and you see how they went back and they only had these two or four buttons. And then they just kind of like, not only did they find a way to like streamline it, but they kind of opened it up. Like I think mechanically it's a more interesting game just because you can swap around the buttons and that makes you more prone to exploring the mechanics. Like, and also just like the way the, the world is, I think it's, it's probably more linear than this one, right? Way more, way yeah, but- more. But, um, you know, it also feels way more mysterious to me because there are so many places I want to go and problems I want to solve. And um, it's a very different experience, experience. I think. Yeah, talking about the size of the world, I think is kind of interesting because to me, there's a lot of links of a link to the past that is just kind of there and doesn't have a lot of like meaning to it. It's like this sort of, it's not that it's empty space, there's enemies in it and you walk through it, but... Um, compared to something like Link's Awakening, where it feels every every little screen feels like its own sort of intentional thing in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I didn't feel like get there's, feeling like the best. there's a bunch of stuff that like happens once, or is just like there to fill space. Like uh, to the south of Lake Hylia, there's an enemy that explodes into a bunch of different guys, like little versions of itself, and it's there's only one. It's only there, and it's like, but why? Yeah, I love it. It's not really I threatening. It's cool, but like, you know, it's just like, they just kind of like, it's tucked in a corner because it's like, well, what do we do with this corner? Well, let's put this guy here. And I guess there, there's a lot of corners of that game where I could see like, hmm, there's just something missing or something. That's, I like that aspect of it though, because when I was 
younger, right? And I didn't know this game quite as inside and out. And actually, to some extent still, I liked those spaces because they sort of let me project a little bit onto the game. Like, why is this thing in a corner? And it is weird that there's not really an answer to that, and it could be better, but I I like... I it like is, games with spaces that don't have a purpose. It sometimes. is right for fan fiction. That is 100% true. It is an imagination <laughs> destination station. Like, it's great. I love it. I, I, you can, it does have just like, because of those holes as a child, for sure. As an adult, I'm like, hmm, I think I see why they did this. But like, as a kid, I was like, there's this one enemy here because of like, oh, we freaking like, the reason it's all brown down there is because we took all their land. And so there's only one left and it explodes because it saw you. And so I just made a species go extinct. Yeah. And that's what I believed as a child it's one yeah, of those things yeah. about the game like so much of link to the past is just tied up in this kind of nostalgia and i mean really i also replayed it and thought it was incredible and think it's yeah but you replayed it really with the memories of it of you as a child like i mean right, I that's why i said as an adult i see the holes never in played it. before i played a bunch I, of dungeons I, i'd never played before though i don't like being told i like this game purely for nostalgia because i have absolutely i, I wasn't absolute saying that at all no, I, I, I'm sorry. I do. I, it just sort of felt like that. I'm sorry. No, I think this game yeah, is. No, oh, I'm sorry. I'm saying that. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> also, hi, I'm still here. Hi, how you doing? Uh, hi, Roberto. I just haven't had much to say because I've been listening to all of you talking about your experiences. I'm just somebody who played the game for like three hours, so. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard for me to separate this. It really is from nostalgia. But, you know, I think it's I honestly wish the game was more maximalist. I think other people might say they wish it was less maximalist and maybe stuck to uh, a stronger design. But it's I don't know. It's a it's an interesting game. I think it's it can be very divisive. And I I don't know that there's any resolution to that. Like, I think it it I keep coming back to this idea of it existing in an in-between space that is somewhat like difficult to nail down to is it this is it that well it's a little bit of both is it maximalist and have weird things tucked into corners well sometimes is it a there's a lot of stuff too that it was interesting when it happened in this game that's just done to death now and so when you come back to it it makes you even like it even less so it's like this reverse nostalgia it's like you got to take off your cynic glasses because there's a bunch of stuff in here that you have to be like, no, this was here for the first time here. How do I look at it in that perspective? But yeah, yeah no, there's a ton of stuff. Yeah, that's definitely stuff. true. That's uh, the thing. Like, this is one of the most influential games ever made. Like, it's it's funny as much as, like, always, for whatever reason, Mario games always get credited as being the most important innovative games or whatever. But, like, it's the Zelda shit that always gets copied by everybody else. Mm-hmm. I don't feel, actually have any powerful feelings about this game despite um, feeling like I got too intense talking about it a few minutes ago. Um, I thought your intensity was appropriate. (laughs) Okay. um, I'm very ill. Um, I uh, what was I going to say? You were saying how you didn't have uh, like a nostalgia thing with it. I don't have particular strong feeling or particularly like i'm not nostalgic for it i think it's i think it's very charming i think it's a game um all is vanity uh but like the the major point uh which like closed in tigris seem to be circling around it seems like uh 
how it exists in this sort of liminal, this liminal point where it's got one, one foot in the past. It's linked. One might say it's linked to the. Never mind. I'm sorry. Um, and <laughs> um, it's got it's got got one foot back there and one foot forward, and it exists in this weird liminal place that it's kind of. And either that's frustrating and you go, what is it doing? Why didn't it go further in this direction? Why do I have to do all of this tedious shit? What the fuck? Or you go, I don't know. I like the things it suggests, you know? <laughs> I like this blank space. I like how it's uh, kind of a toy world diorama. Yeah, I like all this like stuff. I'd uh, love to um, hear... Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. It's just whether or not... Like, it seems like you're agreeing on what the game is. It just sits with you very differently. I'd, I'd love to hear what people's what what people wrote into those spaces, because, I mean, sort of looking at it as an adult, there's, like, not really a lot there. It's, like, one of the things that I thought was kind of funny was there's a bunch of text that's, like, two lines long, and doesn't really say that much. It's just like, you know, the wizard has hypnotized the castle guards. Do you understand? Yes or no? Uh, and I'm sort of curious what, you know, what people wrote into things in terms of the, the plot. I know, you know, Link to the Past is a game that people have a, a lot of feelings about. And weirdly to me, have a lot of feelings about the plot. Um, and I don't... For me, it wasn't the plot, it's the world. Yeah, I don't have any feelings space. about the plot. I, yeah, it's the plot like, stinks. <laughs> like, it's, it's the space. Like, when I was talking about what I filled in with the space was, like, that monster that explodes. Why is it there? Why does, Why it, explode? Is it, there? Why does it explode? I never come up with story based on any text in the game. There's nothing worth anything that anyone has to tell you. You can go through the game without touching a single tile, which I never do, because it's stupid. Like... It's just like it is very bland. She's kidnapped the princesses. There's a bunch of princesses. Rescue them. You're of a royal bloodline. Who cares? Yeah, I mean, just but like stuff like that. That enemy. Like, I'm just curious about that. Like, what it is that people sort of write in for the world. I always thought the enemy in that corner was a ghost. <laughs> uh, I, I thought a lot about the Eastern Temple and how like it seemed functional at some point and was now like run down. Yeah. What happened there? Like the temples like the, in the light world were interesting to me. Or like the relationship between the old flute guy at the bar and his coworker and the kid with the flute. They don't really talk about anything that happened, but you can just write in like, oh, why are they estranged? I wonder why they're not talking anymore. I guess that sucks. Did he force them to play the flute? And so he had like, uh, like he was had a resentment towards the old man because the old man forced the kid to play the flute who ended up being really good at it. Like, it's just nonsense. Like it's fan, it's literally fan fiction. And I I always th like uh, I always thought the statues right above like the sort of swampy area next to Lake Hylia. I always thought those were supposed to be like artistic representations of like I don't know if there's seven of them, but my brain read them as the, like the seven wise men who sealed the Triforce. I'm just yeah, and uh, they sealed away the 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 fairy that gives you the gold, the best bombs, and the are are not the the fairy that gives you the the, the best sword and the the silver arrows. She's in there and sealed away because she's fat and they don't like her. I'm just yeah. uh, really into the guy in the house in the village who says, uh, I looked up my screenshot so I could get this exactly right. One second while I cough. <laughs> I appreciate um, 
the lore. I liked it when the game told me the bombs can blow up walls after I used the bomb to blow up a wall. Uh, he says, uh, the treasure of Zora can turn people into fish. Hey, hey, hey. I'd love to see <laughs> yeah. that. Is this the first, one of the earliest, or even the first perverts in uh, the Legend of Zelda canon? <laughs> I think it is the first pervert in the Legend of Zelda canon. <laughs> that guy really wants but to yeah, see a transformation I, thing. It's fine. <laughs> I, I also think... Like, I don't know. Link's dad kind of has a weird... He looks very uh, uh, cretinous. <laughs> oh, your uncle in the beginning? Yeah, he's got like the... the With that Sunday school haircut? Yeah. He the, looks like a the, fucking manchichi. Yeah, that bowl cut that he's way too old to have, and like the the I'm trying to be Tom Selleck mustache, and he just looks like he's trying too hard. <laughs> he's he's picking up the Sheikah slate, and he's like, uh, "DM me feet pics, ladies." <laughs> <laughs> okay, I kind of think I'd like. To, so we're at hour two. We've gotten halfway through the topics. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are I, I? I think we all have very differing opinions on this game. I think it's very fascinating, but I, I do well, want to I, move I, on. Oh, go ahead. Well, I actually do think we all like it. I think that's the yeah. thing. I don't think this is a divisive game at all. I think this is a universally loved game outside of our very small circle, where like yeah, a they, handful of people say it sucks and it doesn't suck. I think, the game. Yeah, it doesn't suck. Like. My reaction to some of what I see people saying is like, you know, oh, it's the best game that's ever been made. It's like, no, it's definitely not. <laughs> like, but yeah, I hear hyperbolic. Yeah. Like, it's always, oh, it's the best game ever, which is like, fuck you, or oh, it's just, it's just terrible. It's so terrible, and those people are reacting directly to the best ever people. But it's also like, no, shut up. It's not the worst ever either. Like, let's have a little conversation, which nobody wants to have because the game's too talked about. I've never played a game. But I'm confident <laughs> that if other people like a game, uh, they probably haven't played it either. And they just want to be a contrary. So, wait. No. Yeah. I apologize. I fucked up again. <laughs> I apologize if I'm sort of defensive about it. I, I just think it's, I think it's interesting. And I think, yeah, I don't know. I, I have taken this seat to try and, try and, uh, be be positive about it. Not because I think it is flawless, but because I had a feeling, and I was kind of right, that the negative stuff was going to probably come out on the cast a lot. Good, because I was worried I was going to get dumped on by everyone for only giving this game an 8.8 8 out of 10. That sounds fair. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good score. Yeah, like, I, so. I just, I yeah, I don't know, like, it's it's a Super Nintendo game, and I feel like the problems I have it with it are the same problems I have with every Super Nintendo game. But like the the, the goodness of it outweighs the the bad. And playing it as an adult, like I still like it. So, oh yeah, like you know, as someone who's kind of doesn't like the Super Nintendo much, I was playing this just now. Like this feels like a Super Nintendo game. It's very nice. It's like you know, oh, this is as Super Nintendo as it gets. Yeah, it's it's, it's I don't know. It's an yeah. I, I'm glad we all kind of like it. It's a fine game at the very least. Like it do doesn't do anything like shockingly bad. It's just not, you know, also the savior of, of the world and amazing. Like it's just, it's fine. It's good. It does some interesting things. And I think because it's so important, it's worth conversing about. That's pretty much what 
what I'd put it down. The safer of all games will be when I make my fan game where I try to take the lessons I learned from this game to make an entirely new, to make a new game that 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 emphasizes what I think all the game's strengths were. Is that a joke? Who knows? Find out in ten years. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I've already got my pre-order set up. Yeah, also, I already the game donated is, to the Kickstarter. Fine. I, I just haven't been uh, talking much because, like, uh, I can only say, yeah, the game is okay enough times before it's like, God damn it, Ronda, shut the fuck up. But, like, I don't think it's the best Zelda um, ever. But I didn't want to spend this whole time that's, like that's... comparing it to other games, like other Zeldas or, like, other yeah, Zelda-esque games I grew up playing it, instead of this. So. That Zelda conversation does tend to go in the where we just have to compare it against our Zeldas and then we just have to rank them and then it gets boring and like I'm really glad that this conversation isn't that it's really cool and you're not doing that Rooney either like I'm just saying it's really cool okay there's been 17 Zelda games <laughs> um, I mean I'm gonna look them all up now interesting. yeah I'll just I'll just wait until um Book of Mega Tribe does an episode of Beyond Oasis and then I'll just talk I'll just compare that to Link to the Past for the whole period uh period I do think it's interesting that A Link to the Past is sort of the the first, like, I guess the first Zelda as genre game. And the genre being Zelda is the thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, Zelda, Zelda 1 is its own thing. Zelda 2 is obviously off in its own world. Link to the Past is the sequel to Zelda 1. You know, and after that, basically because it seems like A Link to the Past was such a huge hit, it sort of um, almost even like codified what, what you know, it is super influential, but it sort of codified what video games are, both in good ways and bad ways. I, I don't know if I think it's that, but I can't. Is it, is it Heartpiece's fault that you have to collect a thousand things in Assassin's Creed? Yes. The end. <laughs> <laughs> I don't oh, know. Wait. I don't know. Shit, I forgot. When you when you run into the trees in Link to the Past and the bees come out, oh they totally stole that from Hyde Lied. Also sometimes <laughs> apples come out. It, it's shocking just playing oh, now. And... Some of the good story in the game is I'm oh, sorry, uh really quick, just the when you talk to the trees, like the the ones that in the light world, if you hit them and things come out in the dark world, those are the ones that'll talk to you. If there's one with eyeballs oh, in the dark world oh, that you hit and a bomb shit. comes out, that means in the light world, that tree won't give you anything. Holy shit. That's cool. That rules. But the, this game and Animal Crossing, I, I was shocked. Just like, oh yeah, you have a net in this, you have the bees coming out of the trees. There's a lot of shared DNA there, isn't there? That's kind yeah, of, it's Nintendo yeah. flavor. Yeah, but this is like where it really, really started, huh? You have all, a lot of this. Does this one have a shovel too? Yeah, there's a shovel. Yep. There's a shovel you mini have, game that sucks to get a heart piece. Ah, ah. I, um... <laughs> there's a fucking heart piece mini game where you have to shovel in a big field, and there's like a hundred spots you can shovel, and so there's like a one in ten chance that you'll get the heart piece. You can never shovel all of the holes, and you just have to do it again and again if you really care about getting all the heart pieces. I know. I don't know if this feels like the place to mention if, if I'm ever going to mention it, but playing this, uh, deciding I'm in a hurry and uh, settling, resolving to abuse Rewind heavily, um, I have discovered something that probably many, many people discovered before me, which is that uh, things 
that produce, uh, like, can produce incidental items like uh, shrubs that you cut down uh, or uh, chests that you open in uh, the gambling games do not decide that there is a thing in there until you actually open or cut it. Because when I rewound to uh, exploit the gambling game, I didn't have to. Because uh, so I opened the I opened the chest and there was only one rupee. I could just keep reopening the same chest over and over again, and so long as I varied the timing slightly, uh, eventually I would get the fifty rupees. I did not have two different chests. Also, there's a piece of heart in those that game too, in the Dark World one. Uh, and uh, whether or not a mine or an enemy or a rupee or a fairy or a bee or whatever comes out of a shrub is apparently uh, the game decides to do it the second you cut it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, and and interestingly, the opposite is true of enemies dropping things. There are set patterns of what gets dropped and there are groups of enemies that drop those things so like there's a there's a pattern that's like nothing nothing five rupees nothing nothing ten or you know one rupee nothing nothing 20 rupees nothing nothing bomb something like that so if you kill two bats you'll get nothing and then one guard will be five rupees like they're unless you use a boomerang because then you always get one rupee if you hit something with a boomerang and kill it oh really Weird. Yeah, yeah. If you freeze something with a boomerang and kill it while it's frozen, you always get one rupee. Interesting. So there's yeah, there's like layered systems which are interesting. But I I do genuinely want to move on. I'd like think that the best place for any uh like sort of final thoughts will be the revelation category where we do final thoughts. I mean, kind of sum up our own takes on the game, and I think that'll be a good spot for people to talk about what they felt like. But I think let's move on to the third out of four categories. Uh, investigation um, this is where we talk about things that are outside of the game things that are uh, you know the manuals or research or like glitches weird crap um, I'm sure there's a lot to talk about here as always I did exactly zero research into this game other than that item thing that I looked up on a whim. So I'm curious if anybody has some investigation stuff to bring to you. Yes, investigation here. discovery uh, back in the day on Kazaa. Uh, System of a Down did a cover of the Legend of Zelda theme song. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Which I presume is playing now. I'm trying to figure out yeah. who did it for real because it's not System of a Down. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. not. It's not. not. Uh, it is absolutely System of a Down, and I will not hear anything to the contrary. That's very oh, so funny. Everybody was actually convinced, and they would be so steadfast. No, it is System of a Down! Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure it never lied to me. That's the ultimate in file sharing. That's how we would distribute our music, was just labeling it wrong so people would download it thinking it was something else. <laughs> that rules. Oh, no, just be like super rare I... live like bootleg and everybody would download your shit. For the days using like Emule when I would think I was getting a shitty copy of a shitty DVD rip 
shitty voiceover somehow, and it was actually just pornography, like 30% of the time. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a real uh, tragedy there. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, you Zoomers. Put, putting that Zelda song on my burn CDs alongside Kermit the Frog gets high.mp3. There's a, there's like, God, what was it? There's like glitch room that somebody won a, a, co- a contest with Nintendo Power, and so they got yeah. their own room. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the big one that everybody remembers, I think. Which, which is like, what a, like, jerk thing to do. Like, you win a contest, you're excited that you're going to be in the game, and the place in the game that you are is like the, like the room that you accidentally get into when like the game doesn't know where where it should put you. I think I that is that, that rules. I think it's I. If I was a kid, I'd be so pissed. And then, like five to ten years later, when somebody actually discovered how to get into that room, I'd be like, "Oh, this actually rules." I would have both reactions, <laughs> but it's totally asinine. <laughs> it's a life lesson from Nintendo. Listen, kid, the world is a fuck. <laughs> we live in a society. Conversely, it's apparently a huge sought-after collector's item to find the Majora's Mask fishbone guitar they only made five of. Jesus. Wow. (laughs) I've been trying to figure out what happened to the ceramic Majora's Mask masks, which allegedly were more common, and yet, unlike uh, the fishbone guitar, which a few of them seem to go on the market every couple years, uh, the the ceramic masks they made as a runner-up do not seem to have ever turned up in the wild, as far as anyone knows. They all broke. Probably, broke. yeah. I think the, mag- the magic powder does a bunch of cool shit in, in uh, Link to the Past. Is that like a weird Easter egg? Like, there's a, yeah, go for it. In the... Oh God, where is it? I think it's... There's a house in the Kirkia village with the, with the chicken in it, and, and I think it's one of the, the people who snitch on you and like make guards come. But if you sprinkle um, magic powder on that particular chicken, it turns into a woman, and then it, she scolds you for being mean to chickens. Whoa. That's right. I, my dad found that. because It's a chicken under a pot. <laughs> yes, yeah. I never knew that. Was. There's a couple of places where you find like, chickens you under magic- pots. If you sprinkle magic powder on the octopuses, they get glasses and they look funny. If you sprinkle magic powders on the red skull fairies in dungeons, they turn into real fairies, which is very helpful when you're in a pinch. I love the magic powder. It's my favorite item in the game, like by far. I love the magic powder. The magic powder is like the contextual buttons from Conquer's Bad for a Day, except you can use it anywhere and the weirdest shit happens. <laughs> which I only found the one thing, which is the little weird slime looking cactus guys. Like you said that. You, they get glasses. Yeah. Um, in I think the... those are chews, but I don't know for sure. There's definitely, an, when they're in the 3D games, they call them chews. But I, I thought they were octopodes. So I, I mean, I don't. I always assume they were chews because of they act very similarly to the chews in uh, Wind Waker. No, that makes sense. Wrong. That makes sense. I think the chews are the blobs that come out of the, the floor. Um, but in any case, they're weird looking little fuckers. And then um, when you in, in uh, Link's Awakening, when you sprinkle magic powder on one of those guys, they also get glasses, but they'll talk to you and they'll tell you about the N64 <laughs> before it came out, which is just a wild thing. Like they still were calling Cape- it That's Project so Dream. cool. Yeah, it rules. <laughs> I'll have to find the exact text, but um, I didn't find anything else to do with the magic powder except double your magic meter. So I'm glad you reminded me of the chicken 
Uh, that's so good. Oh, they're called Cuke Men. Oh, they're Cucumber Men! Yeah, or no, Buzz Blobs. Oh. Which is not as cool. <laughs> I like Cuke Men better. <laughs> I so who's the what... artist who drew um, this art? This Zelda art from Nintendo Power, and it's in the, the uh, strategy guide. Is the, he's the dude who did um, the art for the Wizardry games. I mean, not Wizardry games. Um... Tell the Forsaken Land. Is it Terada? Is that their name? I don't know. Yes, it's I think that's it. There's an amazing piece of art inside this strategy guide where this blobby Ganon. Katsuya Terada. That's it. But uh, there's this amazing piece of art where this like gelatinous Ganon is inside of uh, a crystallized uh, pyramid. And he all feeling on his titties. It's really good. Surrounded by corpses. <laughs> I was briefly distracted, and then I heard gelatinous cannon in a crystal pyramid, and this only reinforces my theory. Oh, he's oh, pressing those together. Yeah. Oh, pressing together. Dan and the e-girl. Oh, hey. He's putting them on the glass. I'm no longer comfortable with killing Ganon if Ganon is the original e-girl. A lot of the art for the game is really interesting, like how Nintendo Power, you know, they had Terada who was doing this sort of like, you know, Mobius-y, you know, Japanese interpretation of that, high fantasy, I don't know, whatever. He's got the fancy lines, we're just going to say it's Mobius-y. Is, is Lincoln in cell? Link doesn't know what sex is. <laughs> like, yeah, he's, yeah, he's definitely in the he's doesn't know what sex innocent. is. You have, you have this stuff going on, and at the same time they had, um, what's his name? Is she no more? Is that, is that the cyborg zero zero nine guy? Yeah, I... uh, yeah, Shotaro Ishinomori. And he was doing, you know, that sort of like 60s manga version of Zelda. And that was running Nintendo Power 2. That comic is bad. There's a thread on Select Button about it. I recommend you go read it because I talk some shit about it. And, uh, it's got like some got yeah. like Falcon guy in it. It's weird. It's got it goes pretty off the path. Wait, is there a Falcon guy in the game? No, there is not. Mm-hmm. There is a guy who looks a lot like that in Cyborg 009, though. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, that's it. It's a cameo. It's it's a weird comic. That's for a it. cameo, he's in a lot of that comic. <laughs> I almost oh, read uh, that for the for the cast, and then I remembered it was bad, so I didn't. I guess I'll accept that Link is an innocent and uh, of all cell insofar as he voluntarily will never ever learn anything about sex emotions. But I think I think that his uncle, who we've talked about previously, probably has a basement train set because when you find him dying. He says, take my sword and shield and listen. You can focus power in the blade although you done, and release it using the secret technique handed down by our people, which I'm pretty sure means uh, the ancestral sword of Link's family is a Geo crystal, <laughs> Which might make might us make the it. first instance of an explicit Geo crystal in, uh, in media. I, I I haven't read all the Philip Jose Farmer books though. I've never read, <laughs> never a, book. read a book. 
I did learn from the instruction manual that Link is not, in fact, the warrior or hero of, of uh, courage. The, the Triforce bestows three titles, and they are the, um, the Forger of Strength, the Keeper of Knowledge, and the Juror of Courage. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Is he like Judge Dredd? What the fuck? Yeah, yeah, that was my thought. <laughs> Judge, juror, and executioner. Link's hardcore. I am Link, the law. Link replaces all of the guards that have been chasing him all game. You never see that Danny Ma. They cut it from every version because uh, Miyamoto didn't want anyone to realize that anyone that hasn't been in his garden, that is, to realize that he was a closeted fascist. It is really messed up at the beginning of Link to the Past how, like, before you go down to the um, the castle dungeon, I guess, and get the sword and stuff, and you're just, like, walking around outside, if you go up to the guards, they're like, yo, kid, you should go home and get back to bed. And, like, <laughs> later on they say, like, you know, the, yeah, the, like, Aghanim or whatever his name is, the, the wizard has hypnotized all of the guards, right? So, so I guess you're just murdering them all, right? Like, yeah, they are yeah. people. Like Earthbound, though, they all come back to life thanks to Link's wish at the end. Anyone can be an agent. There's um, a soldier you talked to early on that I don't remember ever talking to before. Yeah, yep. so, yeah he says, like, you know, it started raining and everyone went nuts except me, and I'm going to get it soon, too. Oh, right. Yeah, it's he's really the, fucked up and dark. I love it. <laughs> he's on the battlements. I'm, like, walking up to him thinking he's... I'm gonna get stabbed. And he's just like whatever kid with a sword who's at my guard post. I've never seen you before, but yeah, my life is a nightmare. I, Goodbye. Yeah, I just love how it how it it sets some stakes for the rest of the game. I I just want to go back to the Cuke men in Link's Awakening because these are the quotes they say. They'll only say one line at a time, so you have to keep leaving the screen and coming back. First time he says, "Hey, Mon," and then. You know me, I like short names the best. And then, it could display millions of polygons. And then, I definitely need it as soon as possible. So that is not as clear as I thought it was, but that seems a lot like the N64. Also, in the German version of Link's Awakening, uh, one of the things that the Cuke Men says is, uh, never without a condom. And, uh, <laughs> give me your juice, I'll give you mine. <laughs> So, oh my god! Yeah, I had heard that. Did you also, think the cucumbers say never without a condom because people practice putting condoms on cucumbers a lot? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Rudy, is that a thing they do in Japan? Come on, Rudy, log on. Rudy did say <laughs> the Japanese translation is way sassier, which is something I think we were just asking about earlier. Whether the uh, Japanese translation the version is quite so dry. Because Link's Awakening is totally, you know, it's a pretty jokey game. And this seems like it's a jokey game, too, but it doesn't really come through all the time in the uh, English version. Oh, yeah, because we were talking about how the thing that gets stuck in my head a ton is when they say, do you understand? Yes, not at all. And how dry that is. And Rudy said in Japanese, they, it translates as, have you even been listening? Yeah, not at all. Yeah, like that's, have you even been listening? Like, I love the idea of Link as just this dumb idiot walking around throwing pots stabbing chickens running into trees face first and then people give him these long speeches and he's like yeah 
Yeah. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yep. Uh-huh. No, I was. I mean, yes, so, I was listening. <laughs> when I played Ocarina of Time, I did read all the text, and I didn't fucking understand anything. <laughs> so I'd say, no, I don't understand, hoping that they would explain more to me, and then they just repeated themselves. God, it's the worst. It's so weird how this game, like, you know, against amongst the gamer types or the series, just has like this, you know, it's supposed to be so epic, you know, that, that Zelda timeline and the links through the ages. And like every single element of these games is just absurd with the chickens and tingle. And this one, too, this one's just filled with absurd stuff, which is why it's good. Yeah, like the everything's silly. Like the the how you get your magic cut in, or or how you get your magic doubled is some guy's like I'm gonna cut your magic in half because you bothered me with the magic powder and then he doubles it and everybody's a fuck up like dude doesn't listen or either like they don't listen to you at all or they just want to be left alone forever like they want you to fuck off or they like yeah <laughs> my when I was I don't remember exactly what prompted it but. Uh, for some reason, I, uh, one of the times I was visiting my uh, sister's place to play Breath of the Wild with my nephews, uh, I told her about the uh, early uh, True Gamer fan reaction to uh, Link's appearance in Breath of the Wild, where uh, they thought he was too femme and they wanted a manly, robust... Uh, hero of time, uh, something, something. I don't know. Like I don't remember exactly how they put it, but it was extremely silly. Um, and she was just like, "Like why?" I'm like, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know why they want uh, the always extremely twinky elf boy. It was still always adept at murders to <laughs> look extremely traditionally masculine, but um. That was a thing. I guess it's it's mostly just that there there really is uh, identity politics in in the gamer space. It's just that it's not exactly what uh, the people that would complain about identity politics uh, think think it is because they don't realize they're doing it. Um, but like like I don't know. This is just reminding me of this because they want the, people wanted this extremely serious. Uh, murder game starring the super masculine murder elf and it's just like have you ever played any of these games before have you ever paid attention to the characterization of uh, at least slightly femme at all times blank murder elf if the game is even remotely cartoony then uh, Cody Rhodes will go on Twitter and complain about it They never should have given this character pants. That's my opinion. Yeah, no pants forever. No pants, Link. <laughs> Not to Breath Link or neither pants for neither Link or Cody. That's my opinion. Breath of the Wild too. You should just start in the Tingle outfit. Yes, <laughs> and you have to beat. You have to hundred percent the game to wear anything else. You can equip. <laughs> you can equip different armor, but the Tingle outfit's always just a costume layered over that you can't remove until. Hundred percent, the game. <laughs> I, I, I think just like breastplate, and the rest is like a body stocking. <laughs> yeah, or just give him link. The one time I will approve of like a, a boob plate, 
type armor is uh, it's got to go on link. I'm not I have talking a about I'm not talking about a muscle quiesce. <laughs> I have a question for everyone. Yes. What did you name your link? And what Kenia. do you usually name your link? Billy. <laughs> I I named my link my actual name and then felt immediately weird because of how often I got misgendered. I Wrong. usually name my link Link. Polio or Xanax? <laughs> I Polio named is ass. <laughs> I named mine uh Or Paxel. I just looked. It's Xanax, Paxel, and Polio are my three save files. Amazing. <laughs> anyway, I'm like sh- sh- Shrook. Uh, it's H. I was gonna just call him, call him Shrug, but then I decided that uh, as Link is traditionally swaddled in green. Uh, I had to pay uh, homage to the greatest uh, green character in all of the Western canon, Shrek. So. Um, <laughs> I uh, it's it was it was S H R E U K, Shrook. I do want to say a weird side effect of of naming it the character is that I found out all of the bad guys, mo- all the bad guys always gender link, but most of the good guys don't say you or something or don't actually gender link at all, which creates this bizarre feeling of of. Uh, a bizarrely realistic trans feeling where people who don't like you are constantly misgendering you and the people who do are, are cool with it. I kind of had the same thing. Cause this is the first time I've used like my, my screen name or anything related to me. I used to name all my characters, Billy always, unless, Billy. <laughs> unless Billy, they were, so funny. if they were, if, if they were a girl, they were Lily, Billy and Lily. <laughs> um, but I named it, I named link Kenya this time and then got misgendered a couple. It was just weird. It's just weird. You know, I actually had had like a large portion of my childhood where after I learned, oh, it uses the name. It's weird if I use my name in this because I won't be Link won't be called Link. For whatever reason, I just got in my head I should name all my characters Link. And so for a lot of years, every character in every game I played was named Link. That rules. <laughs> so I played most of Dragon Quest three for the first when I played it the first time as Link. I I uh I name my Link Link. I always name Link Link. He'll always be Link. They make a they make a gal Link with a different name. I'm I'm sorry. I'm going with Link. It's always oh, going to yeah, be Link. I, I I have an opinion that like, might be controversial, which is as much as I do want a playable Zelda and think a playable Zelda would be cool, I want a game with a girl Link where girl Link is Link, right? Yes. Oh yeah. I, I want like, both. Really. What? But uh, there was a ROM hack that came out a few years ago that did that, that turned Link into a girl. Yeah, a Wind Waker one, too. Why do I want a girl Link? Is that a question? Yeah. Well, I mean, I I want Link to be a girl. I I want more playable girls in games, and I think it would be a pretty cool thing to have a mainline franchise have a character who's still, like, the same character at their base, but just the only difference about it is is now Link's a girl. <laughs> Sorry, my... I was going to say, well, but we already have... Link's always been a girl. <laughs> I don't <laughs> Look, think that's I, I want to say that too, but I actually do want, like, you know, 
you have no like i didn't even realize like it was before i was out and even to myself and i when they were like there was that brief window of link could be a girl i wanted it so bad my sister once named her link rat boy and it was the most abusive thing i've ever seen in a video game My my dad would always name characters the most vulgar thing he could get away with in front of a child. So I think he named God what dumbass. I think he named Link dumbass at one point. He definitely had named like characters shithead. Though. Yeah. Link I isn't mean, a shithead. He is a dumbass. Yeah. I thought of the extremely stupid pun Dong Voyage. At some point. <laughs> God. Um, when I, I it was when I it was when I got officially got a tactics ogre lettuce Tacti- together um, for the Vita that I just lost somewhere because um, I have ADHD I just lose things even uh, Vitas when they were still worth something oh well they're RIP. actually going up in price I, I guess that yeah that'll happen when you stop making a thing um, it's the best portable. Hardware ever made. It's unfortunate that R R I P me. It isn't doesn't <laughs> have the best portable library ever made. Yeah. So I had all this. I had all this. What are you going to name yourself? I had all this space, so I wrote Dong Voyage. And ever since, I've tried to, uh, if there is enough room, fit that entire thing is, or a uh, or an abbreviation, if possible. You sh- if you if you start a Final Fantasy fourteen game, you should see if they'll let you they'll let you name your character. That is my opinion. The uh, game the Do game it. where I'm trying to role play is Felix. Uh, the character is a heavily abbreviated Don Voyage, which feels very really appropriate. Play, please, please play Final Fantasy and just role play as Felix. Just make Felix, please. Oh, <laughs> uh, 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 so t- I'm sorry for for derailing everything. No, this is great. Completely <laughs> uh, off topic, yeah. but uh, producer of Earthbound, Shigesato Itoi, uh, named all of his characters various slang terms for penises. Perfect. Story. <laughs> a, a man after my own heart, truly. It's 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 on point. Is what it is. I um, can't stop. Do- I cannot stop drawing dongs on my bulletin board messages in Animal Crossing, and it tiles <laughs> them. So there's just oh god, there's so many dongs. It's so beautiful. There's dicks everywhere. <laughs> okay, I think I want. <laughs> We're gonna move on to our final topic here. I think, um, unless there's any like final notes about investigation. Nah, I probably should have done some research, but I was too busy just trying to build my thesis for the cast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have any investigation, but I did name my Animal Crossing town uh, Jonestown. Okay, next topic. <laughs> That's so amazing and terrible. I love it. All right. Um, we're going to move into Revelation. Revelation is the part of the show where we are each given our own little soapbox to sum up our final thoughts of the game. There are seven of us here right now, so this will be a good one. Um, So 
Yeah, uh, I will also be interjecting some final thoughts from other folks who have played the game and contributed on the forums. I have at least one. I'm hoping to get maybe two or three more. Um, so just because this game is important to a lot of people and, you know, it's it's a very interesting thing. Some of them will be read by me. Hopefully I'll get at least one recording of somebody else talking about it. So uh, expect that after these. But uh, yeah, if you want to take it away closed i'll give you the floor and you can do your summary of the legend of zelda a link to the past not link's awakening which i keep trying to say oh you just said don't make me go first in the chat shit i wasn't reading it i'm sorry uh, <laughs> right um who wants to go first raise your hand by there you go thanks bachelor all right it's a good game it's a nice game played it when it came out i remember my brother I played through zelda one with my brother for years, he never beat it. I have stories about that. I won't tell them here because we're talking about Link to the Past. I tried to get my brother to play it, and he wouldn't play it. Like he was just like, "This is not Zelda." And he was right; it was very different. You weren't wandering around. You had people to talk to. He had pink hair. I don't think he liked that. I thought it was fine. But um, you know, when I replayed it just now for that hour or two, it was very pleasant. I thought I'm going to keep playing this. I'm going to keep going. I like Super Nintendo now, and uh, it's a good game. And I would like to go. I mean, I like other ones better, but it's a good game. It's a good game. And uh, the best part about it, actually, is the ending. Where uh, it goes around, shows you all the different characters you helped out. And every single one of them has a little title. And every single one would be perfect for a game. I want someone to... I don't have the screenshots right now. Does anyone have any handies? Does anyone want to chip in and share them? Because they're all really good. Half I have sound I like have they'd one. be a great Dojin games. Like, yeah, what's one? Um, the Vultures Rule the Desert, I believe, is one of them. <laughs> See, that would be a great action game, right? You go and dig, you, you go and you uh, either shoot the vultures or they, they're, they're going, they're picking up corpses. That's what you do. You'd be like, what's that game with the Nazis made by that dude? And, but we got Flute Boy plays again. Flute Boy plays again. Flute Boy plays again. Colon. Haunted Meadow. The bully makes a friend. How good is that? Would that not be an amazing game? Saha Rashala's Homecoming? <laughs> That's a dating game. <laughs> Teen Sahasrala going to Homecoming. Yeah, I'm sorry, Bachelor. Want, yeah, the, the bully makes a friend. Your uncle recovers. <laughs> Flippers for sale. That's my favorite. No, wait, wait. What's the Lumberjack one? The Lumberjack one's really good. Twin Lumberjacks. There you go. That could be a watch uh, game, right? I regret to the inform you The Witch and Assistant? The Twin Lumberjacks was made by the dudes that made Yik, so... <laughs> Venus, run, Queen of Fairies. Four went out for a fallen uh, soldier, what might have been. Yeah, the, the Witch and her Assistant, that's very... That could be a... a Toho fan game. Oh, the bug catching kid. Oh, see, that could be a survival horror game. Takes a the turn. lost old man. Finger webs for sale. How many things are for sale? Wasn't there another one? Oh, that's what it is in Japan. We're learning something. Yeah, it's finger webs in Japan. Finger webs for sale. That sounds like um, I don't know. I'd see that in the record. I definitely want to play Flute Boy Plays Again and Venus Queen of Fairies would be the games that I would like. Definitely want to play. For some anyway, reason, if anyone I out there wants like... to make some games, go on, do, go on, do it before I do it. 
I feel like <laughs> Venus Queen of Fairies would make a great Falcom homage game for some reason, and I can't quite put my finger on why. Sounds right, though. <laughs> Did you get what you wanted to say, Patchler? Oh, I'm good. I'm just excited by the idea of making all these games with all these wonderful titles, and I think someone should do it. I think it's a good idea. <laughs> All right, who uh, who wants to go next? Freestyle. I like this game fine. It's very charming. Daphne probably has, actually has something to say. Uh, I think talking about people being mad that uh, uh, Link wasn't Tradmask enough uh, is what uh, clued my sister into my being gay. Um, that's probably it. I mean... It's good. I'll probably finish it this time. I paid for a fucking year of this service. <laughs> At least it was only 20 months. Thanks, Miyamoto. Um, love my Twinkie pink-haired elf elf friend. Like, thank you. Thank, 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 thank you. The Swords of Geo Crystal. Give give the give give the gay dwarves a slightly shorter anvil. Thank you. Ah, that reminds me. I have to get the other seven Jo crystals from the Dark World. <laughs> I can't believe I fit them all in there. <laughs> oh Jesus! All right, who's next? <laughs> I think. Oh well. Okay. I I don't. I said so much. I don't have a ton to say. But like the big thing I went going into this is like. Select button in particular, I think, shot on this game a lot, and we covered that a little bit for a really long time. And I think there, just no one ever got a chance to like say the things you like about it because you hear so much about the normie things that people like about it, which is just, it's the greatest game ever. It's a top ten most important Super Nintendo game. Like you can beat up chickens, and that's all you ever hear. And so, like, I literally learned I was making lists like eight things I did not know, and I came in this being like, I'm the motherfucking know it all. I'm gonna tell everybody everything. No one's gonna teach me shit. I know everything. I'm the best in Zelda. This is the one game I'm good at in the world. But like, this is super fun and cool, and I really love that. Like, there's so many different levels of how people appreciate it in like this little group. So yes, thank you. Please play Zelda Link to the Past. It's fun. To be fair, if you've ever had to spend a lot of time with chickens, um, you definitely <laughs> want to beat up a chicken. You may not actually do it. I've never actually done it. They're just birds. I don't want to. I don't want to hurt them. They don't understand why they're monsters. They're just living in accordance <laughs> with their nature. But I definitely want to beat them up. <laughs> you don't want to go totally Ernie and Nastis on a chicken. I would. My family had pet chickens, and I never hurt the pet chickens, but I can confirm that they are, in fact, dinosaurs. Uh, Wait, I have one more thing. I will explode if I don't say this. Okay, I think there are too many items and a bunch can be condensed, but the only one that's completely pointless is the blue cane and everything else to something to to, to break out the story, so that's important. Okay, that's it. Thank you. Okay.
<laughs> okay. Um, all right. So I, my strongest memory tied to this game as a child is uh, it was Easter and my sister went to go uh, with my mom to get uh, her picture taken with the Easter bunny. And my dad was playing uh, this game and I was like, oh, I'm really in, you know, obsessed with this game. I'm watching him play this. I'm like six at the most, maybe five. I don't remember when this game came out. Um, oh, I was like, yeah, I was five. I was five. So um, I remember that. And so they left. They were gone for a while. And I was watching him play this game. And then they came back and my sister was all happy and i they showed me pictures of her with the easter bunny and i started crying <laughs> because it's the first time i remember experiencing regret <laughs> i was like i just wasted my time going and doing something else <laughs> playing a video game watching someone else play a video game instead of getting my picture taken with the easter bunny so this game is deeply tied to literally the first time i ever remember experiencing regret <laughs> And despite that, I enjoyed my time with it. I think it's pretty good. Uh, it's it's fun. Um, I yeah, I have problems with it. I didn't like how much it pushed back against me sometimes, and I I sometimes questioned like, why is this just an order of operations? You'll notice we never talked about puzzles. That's because this game doesn't have puzzles really. Um, but you know, it's it's fine. It does what it's supposed to do. And at the end of the day, it's it's successful in, in what it sets out to do and it has an interesting conversation around it. So I'm super glad we played it. I'm super glad I played it um, personally. And it was really fun talking about it. So that is my take on this. All right. I think closed here next. So go ahead and, and uh, yep, I'll give you the stage here. Okay. So um, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe this, but like, First off, I want to say, like, I think A Link to the Past is a well-crafted game. I think it's fun to play for the most part. I think, you know, it's obviously I have things that I complain about, but obviously anyone who likes Link to the Past, I have no issue with that at all. But I feel like A Link to the Past is, like, the way I would describe it is just sort of a video game. And it somehow, I don't know how it, like, got into, like, the cultural consciousness, but, like, it to me is sort of like a, an extinction event for that sort of game. It's sort of like after Link to the Past, an action adventure game, or even like sort of an RPG, action RPG, was just a Zelda game. Um, and in that sense, like, I don't, I don't like it. I wish that like wasn't the case. I still think it's a super cute game. I think it's really well crafted. I wish there was like more to it. And I love hearing these things about like, the, the ideas people had around it, but like, I think it's like, just like of stuff like my wife, when she was like a little kid, she had this whole like world that she came up with around like the tomatoes in her backyard, like this whole story and adventures that go on. And like, I think that's super awesome. But at the same time, if someone were to ask me to give like a review of tomatoes, I would say, you know, the story is terrible. Do not like, <laughs> do not go to, do not go to tomatoes for the, the, like the story. And I guess I kind of feel that way about like a link to the past um, where like, I am, I'm super amazed and impressed. And I think kids are awesome, but like as a kid, you, you just sort of, you can be given anything and you will think that thing is like awesome. If it meets certain standards of quality or maybe just happens to be there and you need something to do. And I think link to the past really benefits a lot from that. 
and you know coming out at a time and being like the game for kids to play and based off of that like becoming just sort of the video game uh if that all makes any sense i like the idea that you wouldn't want to review tomatoes as an adventure <laughs> i'd be fine with tomatoes as an adventure um okay we've got ramona and tigris right so ramona do you want to go Sure, I will go. Uh, <clears throat> Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past is a perfectly inoffensive video game, which for a lot of people is its greatest strength, but for me, uh, I think it's its greatest weakness because I think Zelda is better when it's weird, when it's out there, when it does things that aren't... <clears throat> I, I had pasta for dinner, so my throat's, a little, my throat's a little fucked up at the moment. But I feel like when Zelda is offbeat and it's weird and you know stuff like Link's Awakening spoilers being entirely in a dream or Majora's Mask and all the weird shit going on with that uh, I feel it's stronger when it's more creative which is kind of weird to say considering Zelda is like a big triple A game by like the largest most easily recognized video game company in the world but I think you understand where I'm coming from here um, so that's why I think Link to the Past is just kind of not boring, but kind of dull in the scheme of things. That's my final thought. Also, uh, play uh, Light Crusader on Sega Genesis. It's very underrated Zelda clone. Thank you and good night. <laughs> I I do want to say I was remiss in not mentioning that Majora's Mask is one of my favorite games of all time, and it is not because of what it does with the gameplay. And I I, um, I agree with you, Zelda's best when it's being weird or inventive. Um, but yeah, okay, sorry. That's, I got my soapbox back. All right, Tigris, I'm going to let you close us out, so to speak. I feel guilty for love bombing this game, but like people have written its criticism, have stated uh, very valid criticisms better here. But I want to try to like sum up why I think it's a good game in a way that people don't describe at, describe it as, right? If that makes sense to everybody? Right, you want to describe it as a good game in a novel way. Yes. See, when I think of the first Zelda, I think it's cool. Like, especially in the... In, oh God, we're comparing stuff, but when you... And I think especially in the context it was originally released, it's really cool. But at the same time, when I think of playing the first Zelda, I think of being trapped in a room with literally, what, eight Dark Nuts? And having to fight them. And fighting one or two Dark Nuts is this really fun, cool experience. And then you have to do it eight times, and then you have to get through the Dark Nut room a bunch of times. And I feel like that sort of roadblock is something that's very hard for me to get past with the first Zelda in a lot of ways. And I think a lot of the streamlining in Link to the Past, I, I sort of prefer in many ways. And, and that's the thing about Link to the Past I want to emphasize. As much as it is the codification of a lot of these ideas, Link to the Past of like what action-adventure games would be, when it came out, it wasn't at all. When it came out, it is an expansion and exploration of the original Zelda. It is an action game, first and foremost, which it often does not get 
described as. It is mostly about being in these spaces and engaging with these spaces. And as much as I do hear the criticism that it should do more to entice you to explore, I also found it interesting how much it didn't and how much more that made me appreciate the fact that it let me explore that. And I deliberately this time experimented with the order that you could play it in, and I deliberately experimented with the items. And even in this conversation, I found many new interactions that I didn't know were in the game. That this game still had the capacity to surprise me was pretty shocking to me. Like, there was still stuff I'd never known about it. I mean, I'd never actually sat down and finished it all the way before, and I did this time. I found... It interesting just contextualizing how the puzzles, which often in Ocarina of Time, a game I also really love a lot, which is even normier to love. In fact, I think the Zelda that is normie to say is the best one by far these days is Ocarina of Time. And I think Ocarina of Time is more the step down the road that Zelda would later take. I think this one still has a lot of that raw energy to it, a lot of that mystery And I think that the Super Nintendo enhances this. I think the strange structures are more complex. They are more evocative of spaces. And I think that the game is an amazing box to be in. It's an amazing place. I don't really care about story. Like, I thought about the story a lot, of course, and I thought about that context. But what I love about this and what I love in games the most... I don't know when this has come up. I think this might have come on the podcast before is being in a space and link to the past is an excellent space. It feels spacious. The navigation, the dungeons where you have to think about what's above or below things makes me feel like I'm in a space. The emphasis on going between light world and dark world makes me feel like I'm in a space. The way the the Pegasus boots let me speed through the spaces, but I'm slowed down, makes me aware of those spaces. The fact that sometimes you need to swim and swimming feels different. And that makes me, that adds texture to the space. And sometimes there's ways you can go one way, but not another. And that adds texture to the space. And that's what I think this game is really good at. It's providing texture and context to these areas in a way that, is re- that feels really great. And I think that texture is often, even if the the moment-to-moment fights are sometimes not as tight as the original Zelda, I think the feeling of being in that space is what I really want in a game. And I think this game honestly is one of the better games I've played for feeling of space and texture within that space. And that's what I really appreciate about it. And that's also generally what I like about better Nintendo games is that they think about space a lot and they think about space in ways that not everybody does. Like Assassin's Creed doesn't feel like a space to me in the way this game feels like a space. And yeah, this game is really good at being an action game where context and understanding the space you are in is as important as any other aspect of it. And that is what I think A Link to the Past is, really. I think it is an intriguing space to occupy. I think that's a really interesting way of putting it. And now that I'm thinking about one particular thing, 
is that I always tell people that the best uh, sequel to Zelda 2 is Dark Souls. Um, I feel like the one thing they took from Zelda 2 was bits of the combat. And one of those is that you bounce off enemies and you have momentum. And they took that from the 2D platformer space and put it into a top-down uh, fighting uh, adventure space, which is fascinating. So, I mean, I feel like that's because this game is so important, you could dissect the lineage of it so much. But regardless, I think that's a very interesting take on this game and not one I would have come up with because I personally don't enjoy being in this space. But it is a space. It does feel like a space. I agree with you. So, um, And it's very... Yeah, I'm just glad that we had a range of interesting opinions on this. Like, I also... <laughs> took a lot away from this I wouldn't have gleaned on my own or just from reading stuff online that other people have said. Um, I did get one submission uh, for Link to the Past content. Um, so here's a short play entitled Mothra's Older Brother's Blue Shield Trick featuring Bully and Ball from the Dark World uh, from our very own Mothra on the selectbutton.net forums. Uh, take it away, Bully and Ball from the Dark World. Hey, bully. Um, bully? You still mad about being turned into a fucked up goblin by the Dark World's twisted magics? Ain't a goblin ball, I'm my own darkest impulses given form. Okay. I'm a freakish manifestation of my impotent rage and failing to obtain the golden power. If I had that god's damn moon pearl from the Tower oh, Hera, I, could... I could go back to my original shape. Yeah, bully, you mentioned that one once or twice before. Oh, is your boy born ya? Are my whales into the void unto my doomed fate born ya, ball? I didn't say that, I just... You've been kicking me around for a while. Doesn't seem super productive. We're sentenced to an eternity adrift in a mocking farce of our home, crafted by the Dark Lord Ganon himself to torture all Hyrule Ball. Literally ain't nothing left to do but kick your nuts clean off. Well, I have no testicles or reproductive gonads of any kind in this form, bully. Oh yeah? Let me be the judge of that. See? Nothing. You feel that? Not really. I have no darts, yet I must scream. Fucked up. You wanna know a secret? Is this about that Chris Land room everyone's talk about where you go if you fall betwixt the seams of creation? Nah, 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 nah. like, it's comforting to know it's there and all, but it does sort of raise some questions about the construction of reality itself. Is creation so slapshot that it requires some kind of fucked up respawn room if we run into a wall too hard or whatever? It ain't that. It's cooler than that. Nobody knows about this one. I figured it out years ago and ain't told no one. Lay it on me, you crazy goblinoid motherfucker. Alright, so you know where the entrance to the swamp palace is? Not really. The palace that's to the east of Misery Maya. Nobody can get in or out of misery by your bully. There's a sign about it in everything. <laughs> I don't know where it is. I could read the sign and everything. Are you ever run to a picket? There he's lousy with the little bastards. The fuck's a picket? It's like, uh, you know what, you know what a like-like is? 
the fuck are you talking about? It's the thing that's... It's this thing that's... I have no idea how to explain it, Paul. It's like a gelatinous anus tube abomination that shoots out tendrils and all this sort of shit. <laughs> I'm just joshing you. Of course I've run into a picket. They steal whatever you're holding and, like, gobble it down. One time I was holding an active bomb to, like, open a wall and gain the currency that forms the basis of our economy. And a picket, like, ate the bomb out of my hands and gave me this vibe of, oh, I would. And then just exploded. See, ever wield the red shield, crafted from a lesser shield, brandished with heroic determination and imbued with fairy magics? Yeah, man, of course, everybody's got one of those laying around to deflect fireballs and all that bullshit. So the first step is to let a picket steal the red shield from you. Okay. Next step, and this is where it gets a little bit tricky, you gotta cast in the loft the Aether Medallion, unleashing a powerful magic spell that instantly freezes all enemies within a half mile radius. Uh, then simply walk up and go bully, to- hold up. Uh, do you, like, bully the impotent goblinoid friend kicker lost in the mountains? Uh, did you wield the unfathomable power of the Aether Medallion? Yeah, of course I do, otherwise the trick wouldn't work great, would it? Sorry I'm getting hung up on this, bully. How in the name of the three goddesses did you get that fucking thing, man? It ain't difficult, you little pink cuckball. You cast aloft the Master Sword in the Book of Medora at the Altar of Hera, and the Aether Medallion will descend from the heaven. It's basic shit. <laughs> Do you have the Master Sword, bully? Yeah, I got the fucking Master Sword. Of course I got it. I got the Aether Medallion, don't I? Look at this thing. That's pretty impressive, boy. It is impressive, I know. Can I continue? Okay. So you let the picket eat your red shield, alright? Then you hit it with the ether, freezing him fucking solid. Was like, was like, could I use an ice wand or something? It's a little easier to get than the god's damned ether medallion. No, 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 that shit. Only ether works. If you use that ice wand, you're a fucking bitch. I, I cannot believe you got the master sword, man. How? I'm the best of the best, kid. Alright, here's where the magic happens. You, you then crack open that little frozen licket like a Deku nut. You pull the frozen shield from its guts and equip it. The red shield is now a blue shield. Well, that's amazing. Is it permanently blue now forever, or like... Yeah, no, no, it's just blue till you go to a dungeon or switch weapons or whatever. Okay, might, might just be like... What it does, huh? when the ice belts off of it. It's magic ball. It's not just covered in ice. Ain't no more. Okay. Can I wield the master sword, boy? Uh, yeah, sure. Knock yourself out. Dope. So, um... But everybody's gone. Well, no, they're still here, but they, they went. <laughs> they had their turn. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and close this podcast out because we're, we're coming up on hour three here, and I am tired. So <laughs> I still got some good Final Fantasy 14 playing hours left in the night. Hell yeah! yeah I'm going to meet you guys in Final Fantasy 14 after this. <laughs> Do uh, I have extra Adderall? Come with us, uh, join us, join us, join us, join us, make Felix, make Felix.
<laughs> All right. So that's it for this podcast. I appreciate everybody for showing up, for bringing interesting perspectives to this. I had a really good time. And I would like to know where people can find you if they want more of you. I'm talking social media or whatever. I don't care. <laughs> uh, basically nowhere. I have a, I have a Twitter. It's False City, um, but I don't use it. So I guess you could, you could like follow me. I don't know why you would. Hi, I'm Daphne on selectbutton.net, where you should post. Where you all already post, where you should keep posting. <laughs> uh, I'm Bachelor. You can find me on twitter.com at bachelorsoft. I'm on Instagram at bachelorsoft. Uh, bachelorsoft.com, patreon.com slash, slash bachelorsoft. You should probably give me money. I've made about zero dollars. Well, that's not true. I sold a book the other day. We're all going through hard times, but I bet we have some rich benefactors here, right? Some listeners, they should give us all money. Onlyfans.com slash Batchersoft. That does exist. Um, yeah, I'm making a game called DDD and Natural Playboys. It's the best game ever made. Uh, it'll be out soon, right? Once we're all outside. And uh, thank you. I'm Automatic Tiger or Tigress, as people are want to call me these days. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as at Automatic Tigress. I don't post there much, but I do post there a little bit. Um, I post on the forums also at Automatic Tiger. And I also host a podcast on this same feed, The Book of Mega Drive, which will have an episode of some point coming out. We haven't even actually run late yet. I'm just saying you'll you'll get something soon. Once a month. Once a month. That's what we're aiming for. Uh Plague or no plague, once a month. Um, I I hope you go back and listen to some of the episodes of that. I thought the the um, episode about Shadow Dancer was very, very good. I would recommend that as a good jumping on point to the podcast. Um, and, I, and I hope you listen to it because we talk about Sega Genesis games instead of Super Nintendo games. And because I'm always trying to find the most obscure Sega games... I wanted to do the least obscure Super Nintendo game for my for my Explorer's choice. That that's all I have to say. Like I said, about eight o'clock. That's uh, that's kind of the Tigress time limit there. Hello, I am Shrug. Um, I'm on the forums, uh, mostly posting about health problems. Uh, uh, shrug, uh, join there to read my multi-post odyssey in, uh, worrying that I might have, uh, COVID-19, uh, but I don't, because Oregon has just got on, uh, doing pretty quick turnaround tests. Uh, so, good for them. Hooray. Woo! Also, I post pictures of my cats. And they're smarter than me and also much better looking. So if you want to look at my cats, shrug on the select button.net forums. I'm at Shrugopolis on Twitter. I should post more pictures of my cats there. Mostly I just retweet stupid things about politics and how people in government or Trump want me to die and I'm mad all the time. <sighs> I also have a few uh, 
where am I? I also have a few tabletop games, uh, maybe tabletop games. Uh, one can download for free or a tiny fee on, uh, just go to nub.zone if you're interested. That's, that's probably all. I'm so tired. Help. Look, looks like those clowns in Congress are at it again. What a bunch of clowns. Hi, I'm Ramona. Um, you can find me on my website, LonelyFrontier.net. Uh, that has all of my contact info, all of my social medias, all of my uh, money-making ventures, and uh, things that don't delve into the realm of normie shit, unlike Tigris. I say, like, I haven't spent the last two and a half days talking about nothing but Animal Crossing. Anyways, go there. Have a good time. And I have been Kania. You can find me on Twitter as It's Kania. And I'm on, but I don't post. And <laughs> I'm on SlackButton.net forums as Vassal Kania. It's like Castlevania, but with the V and the C switch. Um, it, 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 there's part of the script where I talk about the podcast, but you should pretty much know the drill. Uh, we're on Twitter at Snexploration. Our website is uh, snes.club. I don't care if you review the podcast because I don't care if we have listeners. <laughs> so, you should uh, review it because we because I do care. Well, <laughs> okay, that's fair. I have other people at stake here. Review it on iTunes. That's and I'll I'll see it and feel good about it. Um, yep. And as always, for more inane video game discussion. Jump into the selectbutton.net forums, or as uh, Daphne says, post, 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 post. Um, so uh, next, stop posting. <laughs> um, I made the executive decision. Normally, we would vote on the next game, uh, but this ended up being a special game because we were going to do Urban Strike last time. Uh, but the person who chose it couldn't be here, so now we're going to do urban strike next time. <laughs> so no, sorry, no random games this time, but uh, we're, we're going to shoot for that uh, for urban strike. Uh, and the next time we'll do random games and we'll get back on the train of doing the weirdest bullshit ever. Um, but yeah, so that's the, it. And until next time, it's not uh, The Legend of Zelda. It's not, it's not Crusade of Senti, which I will probably make people play on some point in Book of Mega Drive because I'm a tyrant and that game is really interesting and cool. It's not Utopia. It's not Land Landstalker. Landstalker. It's not... It's, an not, oh, it's okay. not Urban Strike. It's not Anodyne or Anodyne 2, although I like both of those, but especially Anodyne 2. It's not one of the other Zelda games, either. <laughs> well, what, it's not what, Spike McFay. It's not Link Between Worlds, which I actually think is a better game, believe it or not. Yeah, play Link Between Link Worlds. Link Between Worlds is so great. Play Link Between Worlds. Such a good game. <laughs> yeah, if you had to play one, play Link Between Worlds. <laughs> it's not my... There's so many like, great in jokes and 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 things that are like these delightful traps if you played the first game sorry <laughs> it's not my cat final cat's finally teaching me how to read or talk <laughs> i could use help with both to be honest and as always it's not chuck rock 
And one day it will be Chuck Rock. <laughs> It'll be Chuck Rock and Book of Mega Drive. That's what I think. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think that's going to be somebody's choice. <laughs> Thanks to Schnabubula for letting us use his incredible song, uh, Playing Super Mario World on Mushrooms. Uh, thanks to Bachelor for the amazing cover art. Go check out his work uh, at Bachelor Soft. Also want to do a quick shout out to the music I just stole. Um, the first track, The Green Hill Zone, was uh, SMW Custom Music Track 1376 Variety 2 by Heavy Metal Rocker 1988. And then the uh, jazz cover you just heard of the Dark World song was the Dark World jazz cover by Insane in the Rain Music. I just stole those. Uh, and thanks, as always, to you for listening. Good night. <laughs>